Welcome to the Bayesian Conspiracy. I'm Miniash Brodsky. I'm Steven Zuber. I'm Jay Sticky. And here we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about something, but we're going to procrastinate about introducing the subject <laughs> until we have finished with the weekly Less Wrong Posts. So let's jump into the Less Wrong Posts. Yes? That works for me. Yeah. Okay. And if Jace, uh, not Jace, if Steven, God, I'm, I'm calling Steven every single name in the book except for Steven today. <laughs> if Steven sounds like he is on a different mic or off in the distance or we don't know what's going on with him and we're talking over him, that's because he is in uh, his place today and calling in. So the sound quality might be a little bit different for him than usual. But, you know, whatever. It's all good. But this, this is how we well. roll. We'll, we'll be talking over each other the whole time. Just, like just then. Exactly. All right. Because <laughs> we usually don't do that. Well, it's much easier when you're in the same room and yeah. you can see the other person about to talk. <laughs> Maybe Zencaster should introduce video or something. But then we'd they, have all that bandwidth with the video. They actually do. So I, I, do. I told you to use classic.zencaster because the other one's video. Oh. But it's actually hell? really annoying. Hmm. Maybe we could do videos. We could do like a video podcast. No. We're, we're welcome to try it at some point if you guys want, but it, it was not my cup of tea. I don't know. Maybe like for a special... Alrighty, uh, the first post this week is no evolutions for corporations or nano devices, which tells us exactly what it says in the title and why. Uh, it starts out with LDS are saying that uh, a psychic power would be a beneficial mutation, which it would, wouldn't it? You'd think. <laughs> I would think so. Or I don't know, it might be the opposite, but anyway, let's just go with the premise. <laughs> okay, uh, so you'd expect it to spread, right? The equations for a beneficial mutation's probability of fixation are roughly twice the fitness advantage, 6% likely for a 3% advantage, which was covered in the last several posts, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he says, mutations which are only rarely useful are extremely unlikely to spread, and it is practically impossible for complex adaptations to arise without constant use. If psychic powers really existed, we should expect to see everyone using them all the time, not because they would be so amazingly useful, but because otherwise they couldn't have evolved in the first place. Which, first of all, darn good point. Second of all, way to ruin all the fantasy movies about psychic powers ever. And third of all, I mean, I think we kind of got psychic powers. We have the ability to transmit like, our thoughts to other people, oh. our voices. We have the ability to see what their internal state is like to one approximation by looking at their faces and body language and shit. It's kind of psychic powers, right? Kind of. No. Not only no. if you're nitpicking the premise of the, the <laughs> phrase there but the the only thing that this isn't considering is that if psychic powers are magic then expecting them to adhere to like understandable rules makes no sense right well only in the sense that everything in the universe adheres to understandable rules so there's no such thing as magic well but yeah so I, i'm just saying that if someone says i'm psychic they wouldn't say it's genetic it's on chromosome 22 right they'd be like uh it's magic fuck you but other than that, <laughs> I think the yes. premise of a lot of uh, comic books was it's on chromosome 22. Stepped in some radioactive news yeah. and, and now I can use my brain better. Yeah. That's how it works. Charles Xavier got bitten <laughs> by a radioactive psychic and became psychic himself. <laughs> That'd be the best way to get a power. <laughs> Depends what bites you. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> That's how you get the zombie power, right? Uh, and the vampire power? Zombie, it's Kerko's power. Um, <laughs> right. Now, vampirism would be more of a power because it comes with, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it comes with a lot of perks. Yeah. You just have to become a I, murderous monster. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love that show. Anyway, though. Um, yes. So, <laughs> so he tells us about Price's equation, which um, speaks about how, uh, how genetic differences come to fixation with any population. It's a 
elegant short equation, which, you know, only covers like the, the most broad strokes, kind of like Mendelian genetics only covers very simple, dominant, submissive gene uh, traits rather than the really complex ones. But it is a very good starting point. Uh, he says, with Price's equation, to, to think of how it works, you consider height in general as the characteristic Z, apart from any particular genes. And Price's equation says that the change in height in the next generation will equal the covariance of height with relative reproductive fitness. So the more people with more height reproduce better than people with less height, the more height there will be in the next generation. Makes sense? Oh, that's actually weirder than that because it has to do with like sex specific stuff that he doesn't talk about that, but I was just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, it was, like I said, a generalization, easy to remember quick little thing to, I guess generalization isn't the right word, but it's simple. One heuristic? of one level of stuff. Yeah. 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 Heuristic no. is good. Anyway. Steven, what word would you use to explain this sort of easier one-on-one kind of thing? Uh, accessible. Sure. That yeah. works. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the average characteristic changes according to its covariance with relative fitness rather than its absolute fitness. That means that if a Frodo gene saves its whole species from extinction, the average Frodo characteristic does not increase. Since Frodo's act benefited all genotypes equally and did not covary with relative fitness. I like the Frodo gene yeah. <laughs> concept. Yeah. It's the gene that makes you heroically sacrifice yourself to save the species specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a really good name for that gene. Although I guess Frodo didn't technically die. Yeah, but he would have. Yes. He got. He was ready. And then there's this fun Lovecrafty aside. <laughs> it is said that Price became so disturbed with the implications of his equation for altruism that he committed suicide, though he may have had other issues. Overcoming bias does not advocate committing suicide after studying Price's equation. Thanks. I'm glad that he cleared that up yeah i was a little worried for a minute this was back when uh when it, he was still posting on overcoming bias rather than less wrong i i love this thing because one of the major things with um lovecraftian horror is that people see something that is so like disturbing so outside the bonds of what they can bounds of what they can comprehend that they go insane and they kill themselves or they have to be committed to a psychiatric hospital for the rest of their lives or just something right They're They're taken out of, of life. Basically might as well be dead. And Some info hazard. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's an info hazard, but it's always, it's usually something dumb. Like I saw a creature which cannot exist, you know, or I saw a color which doesn't exist anywhere and I can't describe it. And ah, my brain, but, <laughs> but like here, it's, it's red, it's purple. It's we're purple. It's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't deal with life anymore. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I don't want to diss on Lovecraft. I love Lovecraft's uh, fiction. So uh, I always thought it was kind of a, a silly characteristic of his fiction, but it's still great stuff. Anyways, uh, the fact that Price found one of these info hazards where he's like, oh my God, anything that helps everybody instead of just the gene holder will not come to fixation. The whole human race is doomed because we are evolving. Oh, this is terrible and kills himself. It's just like, it's great. I, I kind of love it. I mean, I don't love that he killed himself. That part sucks. <laughs> kind of terrible, actually. <laughs> yeah. But it's like an actual Lovecraftian thing in real life. And I, I thought that was awesome. And obviously, he must have had many other mental issues for this to actually he, push him over. I think he had some other stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, it's good horror. Yeah, totally. I feel like it's kind of just, I don't know, conceiving of the universe as it is sort of has that effect anyway. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's all meaningless and mm -hmm. terrible. And maybe you don't commit horror or commit suicide. Right don't there. Commit. <laughs> you 
don't commit suicide right <laughs> there. Stop committing hard. <laughs> I'm trying. It's hard. Do continue. What Eliezer gets to after a few more paragraphs is the saying is saying that competition between replicating things is itself not sufficient for evolution. And in this post, he explains why that is. Uh, for starters, he says, if great-great-grandchildren don't much resemble their great-great-grandparents, you won't get more than four generations worth of cumulative selection pressure. With DNA, you have heritil- heritability lasting for millions of generations. Points out that DNA lasts long enough for a gene conveying 3% advantage to spread itself over 768 generations, and then another gene dependent on it can arise. So a 3% advantage can eventually rise to fixation, and then something else can build on top of that. Whereas corporations, well, corporations are certainly selected in the sense that incompetent corporations go bust. But in the same sense, any star that goes nova shortly after it forms is less likely to be visible when you look up in the night sky. But if an accident of stellar dynamics makes one star burn longer than another star, that doesn't make it more likely that future stars will also burn longer. So that's that's his saying that, you know, corporations don't really, um, descendant corporations don't necessarily look anything like or very much like their parents. And certainly by the time you get the great-grandparents of corporations, they're totally different. So there's not really any evolution going on here. Remember when Amazon just sold books? I do remember that. They were always trying to get past that from the beginning. I know. I have this weird memory of them selling a few specific things, and I feel like one of them was cars. It was like books, cars. I I might be making this up, but I think that happened. I I was going to say it's funny that like, he needs to take the time to say this, but this was in the, you know, mid two thousands of the internet and mm, misconceptions of atheism or atheism and uh, especially evolution were abound. Right. So yeah. between that and what he's trying to get at with, uh, you know, mind design and creation, he needs to spend a lot of time like, look, no corporations don't evolve like butterflies. And here's <laughs> why. Like, <laughs> When one corporation loves another corporation. <laughs> I I mean, I was on board with the whole corporations are going to evolve and get better over time thing. I, I just never really, because they were competing things and they did, you know, replicate in a way. So I, I just seemed like, yeah, obviously anything that replicates is going to, is going to evolve. But now it turns out there's a deeper mechanism and this helped open my eyes to that well that's good yeah Yeah. i think that it's just one of those things evolution can be used to apply to too many things if it's enough to encompass uh you know viral epidemiology and uh whatever facebook becoming meta right yeah so it's or i guess that's not a child company but you know what i mean it's it's evolving in that in that very very loose sense right yeah it doesn't help that the word evolving and evolution is used for pretty much uh, any change globally. exactly <laughs> and then it has this positive connotation yep which yep. really annoys me because i'm like it's a system of non-random death yeah stop glorifying it yep yep totally i um i remember going back to amazon uh i remember being in high school and one of my friends was bitching about amazon he's like they lose money every quarter They have done nothing but lose money, millions of dollars every quarter for their entire existence. At this point, it was a number of years. I don't remember exactly. It's like, this is a total fucking scam. They want to sell everything in the world. They can't even make money selling books. They're going to crash and burn. And I don't know if he actually tried to short them or if he was just complaining because this was in high school in the 90s. And I don't think anyone had the tech savviness or ability to do that sort of thing uh, unless they were actually, you know, knew a broker. But he, he, 
at the time, like he made a compelling argument. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess I would like sell Amazon if I had any Amazon stock. And, uh, Wow. I mean, you didn't. <laughs> the, that would have been the worst advice in the entire world because I would have sold Amazon <laughs> when it was like dollars per share. Yeah. Yeah. This, this Bitcoin's not going anywhere. They should just dump it now. Right. Alas. The, the purpose of Amazon was never to make money selling books, it was to lose a ton of money and capture the entire market. Yeah. Take shopping out. online. Yeah. Totally. All righty. Anyways, um, I, I do think that he, he picked a very good niche to uh, to start the take shopping online thing, partly because books are you know indistinguishable from each other, and there's very little that can go wrong with a book that'll cause you to return it. And the post office uh, has special, extremely cheap rates for mailing books and other media. So, like, it was just the perfect place to start that thing if that's what you want to do. You that's really a really learn. good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could read the dust jacket on the website just like you'd read it at the bookstore. Mm-hmm. and you know what you're getting yeah, yeah yeah there's no issues of quality or whatever like it was just it was perfect if you want to learn and make all the mistakes while losing as little money as possible and have you like your best case product to try it with it's it's books you know this is kind of where i'm gonna get a i could already hear the mob sharpening their pitchforks but bezos is a genius oh you yeah know? like how dare you you know <laughs> compliment it, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean he's good just yeah. that he's a genius <laughs> yeah he's he's a genius. smart guy yeah, um, looks like an evil genius. Too. He does. Yeah. He does look like an evil genius. He should be. All he needs is a, a scar robot. over his eye. Right, like fighting Batman in a mech suit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> his mech suit's not gonna be ready until twenty twenty three. Didn't he have one? There was definitely a video where they. I think he had some kind of power suit that he was testing, and uh, definitely people were memeing it. That's like the coolest thing I've ever heard, if true. Uh, there. Yeah. Yep. I have pictures of just. <laughs> Jeff Bezos in a giant robot. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. It even looks like a mech from Mech Warrior. It's got the glass cabin and the arms, and wow, that's perfect. All right, I'm on this. Are you shitting me? This looks like a game show. Wow. Right? This is fantastic. I don't remember what the context of it was. But it's hanging from wires. Does it work? Uh, you know what? This isn't that podcast. We will have to oh, find yeah, out. Yeah. But if, if, if someone starts punching through buildings wearing a, you know, Power Ranger megazord thing it's probably jeff bezos <laughs> exactly <laughs> and the building he's punching through is probably some regulatory agency that's pissed him off <laughs> all righty so uh moving forward though he goes from corporations to nanotech uh advanced nanotech the artificial sort not biology should be able to copy itself copy itself with digital fidelity through thousands of generations uh unfortunately they have the opposite problem of corporations uh, there's not enough change. Only a small number of generations will pass before they hit the resource wall. Limited resources are not a sufficient condition for evolution. You need the frequent iterated death of a substantial fraction of the problem to free up resources. He says it's possible that less than one full generation might pass between when the goo ate the earth and when the sun died. Just because there will be, you know, so little change in the DNA through errors or anything as they replicate and as they... uh fail to continue replicating because there's no more resources because they've all ate them up and no one's dying. Like you said, evolution is a, a system of non-random death. Yeah. So which you... again, another bummer because um, nanoparticles evolving has been the, or nano nano machines evolving has been the basis of many a sci-fi book, which is great. I wouldn't want them to evolve. Not in real life. It makes a good book. Yeah. Yes. And it makes, it probably makes a great book, but just like in real life, no, I want it to do exactly what I thought it was going to do when I made it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't want it to be like, oh, wait, look, a quirk. And now instead of just using this matter to to do the thing, I'm also going to use this adjacent matter. But that adjacent matter is my brain, and I don't want it to do that. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I look at my brain, and it's in its skull. Uh, not as paper clips, please. Yes. I, I thought it was interesting that one of the things uh, Eliezer seemed to be mourning in this post was that such a such a nano swarm, I guess, uh, wouldn't wouldn't evolve into anything interesting like if it was created and if it did eat the earth at least there's the hope that well maybe they'll evolve <laughs> into something interesting and cool like humans evolved eventually from just replicating rna uh strands but he's like no there will not ever any ever be anything cool from from these things they will just continue to be mindless spots that replicate themselves because they can't evolve into anything interesting and fun they 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 will always just be this gray goo that makes more gray goo and that's sad and depressing less i sounds like a very sad shower thought yeah man it's a shame that nanobots are never gonna consume the earth and then become a big cool dragon right <laughs> it's like the, definitely i mean that would be the silver lining if they did consume the earth yeah but no no silver lining for nanobots so yeah if you have all the following properties entities that replicate substantial variation in their characteristics substantial variation in their reproduction persistent correlation between the characteristics and reproduction high fidelity long-range heritability and characteristics frequent birth of a significant fraction of the breeding population and all this remains true through many iterator well and, and I was doing so well and all this remains true through many iterations then you will have a significant cumulative selection pressure enough to produce complex adaptations by the force of evolution. Huzzah! It's a lot of need, though. It is. But apparently, life found a way. <laughs> Maybe other things. Well, I don't know. The finding of the way was called life. I mean, I think that you need the following properties, but the supermajority of them are going to just be the case anywhere before technology explodes, right? Um the 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 only hard part I think is the replicating entities that don't replicate perfectly. Yeah, that and then once you've that. got that, any other any planet on the in the universe that we're aware of will have every other condition. Am I being too general there? No, I don't know. I'm just I'm thinking about it. I don't know what if that were true, we're all, all the aliens. Started. <laughs> I don't know what percentages to put on that because I have no idea. Um, we have one example. Yeah, I haven't thought about it very much. Like which. Is that very common? Is that very hard? I don't know. Maybe if I were to sat down and think for a while, but then I would be wasting all your guys' time. Well, no, I think just the like the only maybe twist on it would be how variable the environment is. You need you need a somewhat stable but not perfectly stable environment and non-perfect replicators that use resources. Um, maybe this is the huh and die in a non. Oh yeah, of course. Um, right. Somehow I took that as a given, but yes, that is that is that needs to be explicit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I don't know. I guess tend to my quick answer to where are all the aliens is I'm guessing that first step is hard. I'm guessing that replicators aren't that common, or if they are, they don't get interestingly complex that often. Maybe or just they once will become really complex and then blow themselves up. That's definitely possible. Or blow each other up. Or they all discover the price equation and are much more <laughs> psychologically <laughs> sensitive than we are and kill themselves. Just Humans are an interesting species because we can compartmentalize so well that we don't give a fuck when we find out terrible, horrible secrets of the universe that would drive any normal species insane. And almost none of us know Price's equation. <laughs> well, okay, that too. 
I read the post and I, and I still don't know it because I don't remember it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I'm, my mind rejected the mimetic hazard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's a sad one. Oh, yeah. Kind of. I mean, I guess. Also, you know, reassuring in one way. Yeah. <laughs> it's mixed. It's bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, the next post is, uh, I thought it was a very short one. Uh, I, I, I'll sum it up. It does have the word simple in the title. Yeah. Uh, I'll sum it up and let you guys like chime in if you think I missed anything or whatever. It's called The Simple Math of Everything, where Eliezer says there's a substantial advantage in knowing the drop-dead, basic, fundamental, embarrassingly simple mathematics in as many different subjects as you can manage. Uh, like, you know, Price's Equation or... Uh, not that one. <laughs> no, no, not that one. Right, right. That's an info hazard. Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, just the very simple things. He says force equals mass times acceleration is maybe just a little bit too simple and you can get a little higher above that. But but just the very, very basics. Knowing the mathematical basics of a lot of fields is a huge advantage. And he wants someone to write a book called The Simple Math of Everything. Or they could call something else if they really want to because they're special. But that's a good name. Um, it is a book written for people who are good at math. Might not be really that weighty of a volume. Just has the simple, basic, first-level math of everything in it. How long does it take to explain Bayes' rule to someone who's good at math? And he says this would be a huge advantage to everybody in the world. He specifically would like to have one for himself, and he hopes someone writes one someday. As far as I know, this thing doesn't exist, right? Uh, well, there's like the XKCD thing explainer that's kind of... I mean, it's not... It's specifically not about math, about. though. Yeah. It only uses the first thousand ha- words. It does have math, but it, it just explains things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a crash course for introduction to stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Bill Bryson's A Brief History of Nearly Everything. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Although... Yeah, again, they, aren't, they aren't mathy. Not just math. Uh, or they aren't, they they aren't overly math. mathy. Yeah, but they're not just math. Uh, there is a Bayes theorem for babies. Hmm. I got that which, for my niece. Right. It's so good. I think when she was one and then for her second birthday, I think I got her integral calculus for babies. <laughs> we do have a lot of listeners. If if someone were to actually make this thing, we would totally interview them and advertise it. And I'm sure Eliezer would be happy and post something on his feeds. Like, I am I, not smart enough to write that, but somebody, or maybe everybody, if we all chipped in and just did one of the simple maths, then we could put it together. Honestly, like, People like you and me are the target audience for this kind of book. People who are decent at math, but uh, don't know the... Yeah, but it's just the basic, simplest, first level thing about okay. all the math. With some research, you could write it, I, I am sure. And then we could all benefit. It sounds like you're, you're insisting that all, all three of us write a chapter before next episode. That's That hardly right. sounds fair. I am not insisting that. How dare you imply that I would insist I need to do more work. Well, if you insist. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I would focus on uh i would probably just rehash that calculation that i think darwin did with elephant reproduction Mm. that if every elephant offspring lived like they would cover the surface of the planet in x years and since i can't remember how many years that was that'd be that'd be my little contribution cool all right so did i did i get basically the gist of that post is there anything i missed no i think it's 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 a good lesson to try and just like be mindful of right um it's actually relates to one of the precursor like posts of our main subject that we're getting to. He basically points out, do a bit of scholarship and uh, stand on the shoulders of giants before you just try and reinvent the wheel. Right. Uh, yeah. I know I'm jumping ahead to the main subject, but this, this is the same thing. And I guess this Eliezer's point is a little more general in that Luke in the main post is, is talking about if you're looking to get better at a particular subject, look at that 
look at that field of research already. Eliezer is kind of just saying, why don't you, you know, just get a grasp on everything you can first. And <laughs> easy. Uh, yeah. You know, it honestly, it's younger. Steven would have been way more energetic or had the energy and enthusiasm to do this, I think. Uh, but I love yeah, the idea I and I should like, get off my ass and do it. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling and I know exactly why that feeling is what it is. And we will get to it when we get to the It'll main topic. A good segue, but yeah. we got one more sequence. Yes, we do. I would, I would say that if such a book were written, you could probably do just a single page per equation. Cause again, it's just these simple things of each one. Just want a quick summary of what it does and what it actually is. Maybe the equation could be right at the top, just below the, the, you know, chapter heading, the page heading, and then the equation, and then a quick explanation of what it is and how it applies. Cause it's gotta be simple, right? I want it to exist. And I realized that we're, we're sort of assuming that it doesn't exist. Has someone written this since this sequence was put out there? I don't know. If anybody knows, please let us know. Let me yeah, Google it right us. now. I mean, it probably wouldn't be named that because it's a good name and people can't like name books. Uh, well. the, the first, the first result is that less wrong post. Well, that's not, then there's promising. the simplest math problem. No one can solve on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it's just not at all what we want. Super simple math paperback, a math study guide. Uh, yeah, I don't think all the math you'll ever need <laughs> a self-teaching guide. At least this is what my filter bubble returns on the first page. Oh wait, the math of everything at scientific American. What is this? It's probably like M theory or something. Oh. Top unsolved questions in mathematics. Yeah, that's not the drop-dead simple basics. The math of everything. Why would they call it that? Well, it looks like it does not exist, so... Clickbait. If someone um, wants to make a lot of money, or if not that, like teach some people stuff. Apparently, S- Simple Math is the third studio album from an Atlanta-based indie rock band. Oh, nice. Yeah, Manchester I Orchestra. Any- I don't think anyone should have delusions of making a lot of money, because writing books <laughs> generally does not make a lot of money, but they would be contributing to the human the human body of knowledge and also like would be locally famous within rationalist niches of the internet. We can crowdsource this project. It sounds like we're halfway there. So Huzzah. have we, have we dare I say it conjured an evolution to serve us? I don't think we have. No, but <laughs> oh, it is a good segue. <laughs> what, what are you segueing into Steven? <laughs> the last post here um, that I will let you just sync succinctly summarize if you want, but um yeah, oh, sure. Okay, then I will. I will go for it. I felt like I was talking a bunch, but I can do this, I guess, because I have apparently gotten the most sleep. I way overslept today. It was terrible. We did too. Anyways, that's a problem. I wish I had. <laughs> I mean, it was. I was rested, but it wasn't great because then no, I had lost I all those hours. Yeah, yeah, I always feel gross if I oversleep too. It's yeah. like you need to get it in just the right window. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, how about I'll start. Okay. Before 1995, the way animal breeding worked was you would take the top individual performers in each generation and breed from them. If you take hens who lay the most eggs in each generation and breed from them, you should get hens who lay more and more eggs. I don't know why I said it in that weird way, but... No, you said it fine. Okay. You see the problem, right? Now I feel like I need to act it out. I don't know. If I did not see the problem. You should probably think twice before trying to conjure an evolution to serve you. Magic is, is not. the problem that we'd be just drowning in eggs? Uh, that is not the problem, no. I know, but that, I, I'm, I'm being kind of t- tongue-in-cheek, but it's funny. It's like, well, let's see. These are the two top-performing egg producers. Let's go ahead and make more of those. Lather, rinse, repeat. And suddenly, the you know, the chicken is laying an egg every 10 seconds, and it's burying <laughs> our house. If that worked really well, though, like that we would have noticed. We've been we've been breeding animals as a species for a long time. 
Oh yeah, and there's, there's just not yeah, enough energy kind of to do it. That way. But. Oh yeah, we we have like did you see what we turned dogs animals. into? Yeah, like yeah. have you seen a chihuahua? That used to be a wolf. <laughs> like, have you seen the the ancient ancestors of grains and fruits that we have? Oh, they yeah, look they're nothing hideous. Like, yeah. I meant specifically the egg every 10 seconds, just because that takes a lot of – making an egg is, is is hungry work and you need a lot of food for it. So mm. That would be the utility monster chicken, just <laughs> shoving things down its gullet constantly. Well, I'm a snack factory now, too. I can just dip in whenever I run, you know, run low on snacks. I'll eat some of these eggs. Perfect. Yeah. I remember – I think it was the first time I had dinner at your house, Inyash. You guys had chickens, and that was the day I learned that chickens sometimes eat chicken eggs. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes Wait, eat their chickens. own. Yes, and we had chickens. I was like, I was like, I wonder how many, how many, chi- how many eggs do they think they need to to live? And you were one step ahead of me, and you're like, Stephen, I think the second law of thermodynamics has something to say about that. <laughs> you <laughs> cannot like, you, produce you, your own food source. You, you think they make enough eggs to feed themselves? Probably not. But how cool would that be, right? <laughs> that would be pretty badass. <laughs> They'd find a way to cheat. A right. perpetual motion machine, but it's just a chicken. Yeah. Every time it lays an eggs, it presses a little little dynamo a little bit and then feeds itself. I keep trying to think of a way to tie in a which came first joke, but I can't. Uh, but we had the chickens when I was living in that uh, house with Melissa. We had six chickens that lived in our backyard Aww. and a little hen coop and everything. What happened? Just uh, we got weren't divorced. making enough eggs? Oh, the, okay. Yeah. I don't know what happened to the chickens after that, because fuck it, they were her chickens. I never wanted them in the first place. She took the chickens. No, you do <laughs> I, I do not care, no. I cared much more about other things. The chickens, <laughs> honestly, I was like, oh, God, fine, we'll have chickens now. <laughs> because you want chickens, and I love you. <laughs> Learned a lot about chickens, though. Yeah? Like, like what? Uh, like they're dumb as shit. They <laughs> I knew you were going to use those exact words. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen's heard this story. This is the first time no. hearing this. Well, I don't know why. I but imagine that's, Farmer Amy Ash and that's not usually your your vernacular either. I just knew that you were sitting there dumb as shit. I hate chickens. <laughs> <laughs> they see like a spot on the ground that they think it's a bug. They'll peck at it, right? It's not a bug. It's a spot on the concrete because we had a concrete patio. It'll look away, then it'll look back and be like, ooh, a spot on the ground, it's a bug, and peck at it again. And it'll keep fucking doing that like an idiot chicken. Just uh, starves to death. Yeah, they do have different personalities. Some of them are more aggressive. Some of them are more like, I want to brood in my brooding area on top of these eggs. And even if there's no eggs, I'm going to brood here. But that was that was really <laughs> cool. I like that one. I would have liked to call that one Angel after, you know, oh after David Boreanaz's character. Uh, they really like taking dust baths. That's how they get clean. I learned that <laughs> they get clean by rolling in the dirt. Yeah, dust though, not dirt. Oh, I know. Uh, that they actually clipping wings just means cutting off their longest feathers. It doesn't mean actually hurting them in any way. That was the big revelation. I was like, oh, because I was shocked that she was going to clip their wings. She's such an animal loving person. She would never hurt any animal. And I was like, well, okay, they're your chickens. And then I'm like, all you did was cut some feathers. And she's like, yeah, that's that's clipping their wings. What did you think it was? But anyways, this is not the chicken podcast. <laughs> That's our Patreon um, bonus special episode. Inyasha's yes. take hour and a half long take on t- chickens. It's it's. I mean, I've told you just about everything there is to know about chickens. They're also solar powered, <laughs> which is neat. They're solar powered. <laughs> when the sun is up, they come out and they do stuff. When the sun goes down, they go back to the hen house and sleep. I think it's called being diurnal. I, I call it being solar powered. <laughs> well, I, I am too. Then yeah. <laughs> I don't it's know. Cool. You were up a lot after the sun went down. I heard. Yeah, that's true. Oh Did my you- god. Oh. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we were saying, you see the problem, right? And then we got really off track. Um, <laughs> individual selection doesn't necessarily work to benefit the group, but a farm's productivity is determined by group outputs. 
And uh, he says that what actually happened was that the breeding programs uh, optimized for chickens that would not only lay, you know, a bunch of eggs, but would harass the other chickens and peck them and just, you know, make them feel shitty so that they would not lay as many. So the uh, chicken that laid the most eggs didn't necessarily have the highest egg output. She just suppressed everyone else's egg output by being a total bitch. <laughs> uh, and... He says, indeed, for some strange reason, the individual breeding programs, which had been so successful in increasing egg production, now required hens to have their beaks clipped or uh, be housed yeah. in individual cages or they would peck each other to death. I've seen that process of chicks getting their beaks. Like, they actually just have, like, a little, uh, I guess it's like a little heat stick mm-hmm. and they, they just burn the tip off. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, have, have you seen videos of this? People that work in, like, gigantic Don't look at videos food. of this. Everyone have a no, good no. weekend, not a shit weekend. It's like it's a, a bunch of chicks just going by on a conveyor belt and some person will, will you know, just spends their entire day doing this. I have and happy like, news actually related to that. Adorable. Like uh, chickens when they're adults can be beautiful. There are some really cool variants. Like, have you seen the goth chicken? No. There's a chicken that is black. Like its feathers are black, but its entire body is black, including its bones. Like its bones. It's uh, like maybe hyper melanistic. Mm. Yeah. Look, look at a picture of it. Okay. We should post a link to a picture of some cool chickens because there's so many cool variants of like aesthetically pleasing chickens. You wouldn't expect it, but look at that. That is a super black chicken. But baby chicks, like, like, okay, I, I was getting to like, I mean, like, they're not, you know, most chickens aren't aren't this cool looking. They're kind of ugly and dirty. But baby chicks, they're so cute. They are really cute. And then right. happy news on this. Yeah, because this is a depressing subject. I think I read this like ten years ago, which means it's probably happened by now. I'll have to check, but. Peter Singer mentioned in an essay that I read, like I said, something like 10 years ago, that McDonald's committed to, at some, you know, by some year, which I'm assuming has passed, to uh, switching to cruelty free eggs. And since they're the world's largest purchaser of eggs, that was a huge uh, benefit in the chicken suffering calculus. Awesome. What does it yeah. mean to be cruelty free, though? Like the ones that can bringing, go outside. like cynicism to it. Yeah, because I'm like. It- I think I remember that it doesn't really, I mean, it's definitely, I guess, a life improvement over them being in like little boxes that they can't even turn around in and beaks clipped and right. stacked on yeah, shelves. I buy, I like, buy the expensive eggs and they're like maybe twice as much as regular eggs. But since I don't eat eggs that much, then it's like, I don't know, six bucks per thing rather than three. And I maybe go through two dozen a month. So I, I'm looking at like an additional $6 a month. Um, yeah. So I'm not imagining that that translates into like, a utopia chicken versus, you know, uh, a hell chicken. But I think the mm-hmm. more expensive ones that say something like cruelty free or something on there, there's some wiggle room with the language that you can put on there. Like that you're, it's not, yeah. I, I think that, uh, That's what I'm trying to remember. It's something about, I think cage free or yeah. Cage free might mean like, that technically like, they're not in a cage, but it's still like, I think they're, they're still in these like small pens or something. Yeah. It could mean like, access for, to the outdoors. Range. It could, yeah, I think it was like access to the outdoors, which could be as little as having a window in the like the factory. But which is probably a quality of life improvement. I've worked in an office with and without a window, so I can you know sort of relate. Not really. <laughs> uh, offices without windows are awful. Oh uh, yeah. They I interviewed at a place that was in a converted warehouse, and I was like, Did no. you walk out? Yeah. <laughs> halfway through the interview, like, oh man. <laughs> Not halfway through the interview, but you know, it was a short interview, and afterwards, I was like, yeah, thanks, I'll call you. I never called them. Have either of you ever done that? Like, you started an interview, and then like you ha- like part of the way through, you have the realization, oh no, I don't want to work for this company. <laughs> 
I, I mean, there was that place at the warehouse. There was another time. Again, the the initial interviews for accountants are usually pretty short. Uh, I was like, can I see where I'll be working? And they took me and it was an open office plan oh, with I've people just sitting in rows next to each other and behind each other and no walls or anything. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I never went back to them either because fuck open office plans. I'd rather die. Yeah. When I worked at the video games company, my boss was all about the open office, but he got his own office, of course. Yes, of course. But he wanted all of us, you know, in a pen yeah. so he could monitor us. Yep. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Yeah, After only six generations of artily imposed group selection, breeding from the hens in the best groups rather than the best individual hens, average days of survival increased from 160 to 348, and Ooh. egg mass per bird increased from 5.3 to 13.3 kilograms. Damn. Egg mass. At 58 weeks of age, the selected line had 20% mortality compared to the control group at 54%. A commercial line of hens allowed okay. to grow with their clips unbeaked had 89% mortality at 58 weeks. Beaks unclipped, not clips unbeaked. Wow, <laughs> I can read. <laughs> I, I do that too. It. Yeah, but yeah, eighty-nine percent mortality is fucking insane. It's really not good. You're killing nine tenths of your fellow birds, man. But yeah, that uh, so that that conjuring an evolution just by by breeding the most most egg producing hens really backfired there. Sort of like. Sort of like Enron. <laughs> I know. When, when you think of chickens, you think of Enron. Uh, uh, there, some of the younger people today may not remember Enron. Enron was an energy company based out of Texas that uh, had a gigantic uh, financial scandal. It was the biggest one of its time. And nowadays, I mean, $2 billion is still a lot, I guess. But we've had bigger failures since then. But it was basically just complete corporate corruption, malfeasance, lying, literally just lying about what they were making and what the costs are changing the numbers on the books so that they were not actually reflective of reality i'm imagining a younger audience is listening to this being like yeah they're a company you know <laughs> you're, you're not supposed to literally lie on your own accounting books so that when you show it to other people i mean that's that's stuff that gets you thrown in jail except i think only one person actually went to jail over this shit uh anyways uh they were at the time like huge news because it was the biggest financial malfeasance collapse of a huge company ever uh it was simpler times back then it was we were yes. really shocked by this but the way enron worked was that every year they evaluated all their employees and the top the bottom 10 percent would get fired just bam you're in the bottom 10 percent of performers you're out and the top performers would get huge races and bonuses and i mean i think that sounds good but then sounds you, kind of reasonable it does sound reasonable yeah but then, then it's in the <laughs> instead of increasing overall productivity, they got mean chickens <laughs> and actual productivity declined. They were selecting for traits like aggressiveness, sociopathic tendencies, and dishonesty, which, know. you know, uh, they still tend to do in companies, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're like... I mean, much less so than to the degree that Enron apparently did, yeah. where they just turbocharged it. Get yeah. everybody who is even slightly nice kicked out of the company. Like anyone who might take time out of their day to Did help you, you with something. Bake cookies? Yeah. Did you bake cookies for the office? Fired. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Only do you have a ton of incentive to like throw your your coworkers under the bus. Like imagine like the anti camaraderie, the, the pure hostility with your coworkers mm -hmm. in an environment mm -hmm. like that. And generally, it's really important to work with your coworkers and to help each out, help each other out on stuff. Unless you work in like finance or something, from what I've heard. Really. I've heard that it's like, I'm thinking of like stock trading. Oh, 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 okay. okay. Uh, but I mean, I guess that depends on whether you fire the bottom 10% every year or not. 
I think natural selection happens to them. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know anything about this. I should shut up about it. <laughs> okay. The point is, <laughs> here is that conjuration like, oh, magic is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you conjure, you don't get evolution. The maker of butterflies, <laughs> you get an an evolution, like just just an evolution yeah. with characteristics and strength that depend on your exact conjuration. Yes. And 3.85 billion years of natural selection produced molecular nanotechnology, cells, and artificial general intelligence, brains. You really don't want to conjure Azathoth at full power. You really, really don't. You'll get more than pretty butterflies. <laughs> yeah. I was, that I was, was fun a, to read. Yeah, that was a good way to end the post. Again, coming back to Lovecraftian stuff. He's like, don't. This is bad. Is Azathoth from Lovecraft? Yes. Yeah. He was the blind idiot god. Right. But yeah, babbling endlessly. Mm-hmm. Speaking of endless babble, what are we re- what are we gonna be discussing next episode? Oh my God. <laughs> that was perfect. Right into that one. <laughs> nice. Uh next episode we will be talking about the posts, artificial edition, and truly part of you. But those both sound like fun. Uh, yeah. 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 They're all fun. Well, some are more fun than others, but I tend to actually really enjoy the sequences. Yeah. Even yeah, like they're popular for a reason. The fun wordplay. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we get into our main? God, we procrastinated long enough. Yes, our main subject this week is the procrastination equation, which is the name of a book which uh, Luke Prague, who is Luke Mulhauser, I believe, uh, read way back in the day, and then wrote a summary post on, and uh, contained a lot of cool information. Which I figured, let's go ahead and go over it. So how how do we beat procrastination? Please tell us. <laughs> I don't know. Let's procrastinate a little bit more before we get into this. Uh, the the uh, post itself is um, yeah summarizing this book, and he says that the book starts out by looking at all the research that has been done about procrastination so far. So let's look at what has already come before us and build a foundation on that, and then from there we can go forward because you know it's always it's always good to not try to reinvent the wheel when the wheel's already sitting around there for you. Yeah, I remember uh, this was a less wrong post. Like one of the first ones that I remember being really instrumentally influential for me. I like. I, I think it became more widespread for people writing, not not just in the rationalist community. Uh, although, like, it seems like it's kind of. I started seeing it there first, and now, um, if I look up on a, like relationship advice uh, or. I don't know, like so, social skills advice, like the the articles now tend to start more with like, let's look at the research done on this. Oh. Whereas, yeah, it, it's starting to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not back. always, but yeah, if you really remember back in the day where, it, you know, you'd open like a relationship advice book and it would just be somebody's own opinion, just blathering on for chapters and chapters. Well, I think that what works is that and like, <laughs> I had a great relationship. Here's what I did. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's good. I'm glad it worked for you. What's the percentage of people that this works for? 100 percent for me yeah yeah but i remember finding this article and being like oh thank god there's somebody writing an article about because like i suck at not procrastinating (laughs) and uh reading this i was like oh someone's done research on it Mm -hmm. and then they're they're putting it in the advice article Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're using it uh what a a concept when did you first read this um so it was published in 2011 and it was probably around 2011 uh did you find it helpful? Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. I mean, like, I still kind of suck at procrastination, but occasionally I remember and reread this article and try to apply. It's, the thing is, it's like there are techniques you have to apply. Yeah. 
just knowing I'm great at procrastination. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sucking less at something is the first job to uh first step to becoming good at something so kind of good at it yeah as i think jake the dog from adventure times is i believe yeah probably not an exact quote but similar to that i do also want to say that this article starts off with the quote my own behavior baffles me i find myself doing what i hate and not doing what i really want to do and it's attributed to saint paul romans 715 yes (laughs) i like I, i don't know if i like i find it interesting that he picked a uh a translation that uses very modern english rather than the standard kjv because it doesn't sound very biblical at all when it's put in those words, right? Maybe that's why you picked it because it's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, just like me. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at that. Me, me and Paul, we got it. Apparently, we're, we're on the same page here. You can be the next founder of a major religion. So let's see. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I, but what I hate, I do. I can see why he chose the more straightforward translation. Yeah. Is that the KJV that you were reading? Uh, I actually don't know. Let me just put. Do people regularly abbreviate it to the KJV? Yes, just because it's James used, version. Yeah, it's used so often that that's easier to say. It's the one that, that uh, it's the one that Jesus himself that. wrote. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> in the that, original that, English. Yes, that's right. If, if English is good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a George Bush quote. If anyone doesn't remember that. Um, is it seriously? I believe so. Junior or senior? Junior. It can't be. It's got to be junior here. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds more like a um, I can see my house from here quote, which was actually <laughs> SNL, and everyone just misattributed it to, to Palin. I will double check, but I'm pretty sure I remember Christopher Hitchens citing Bush as saying that. But in any it case, what so I did try to say earlier was the King James Version. All right. Well, we're still procrastinating. I don't know if you guys noticed. Um, <laughs> no, that's what I just said. Oh, <laughs> okay, sorry. So once you... Yeah, he starts with, once you're trained in Bayescraft, it may be tempting to tackle classic problems from scratch with your new rationality powers, but often it's more effective to do a bit of scholarship first, and then at least start from the state of our scientific knowledge on the subject. And I hadn't realized that people studied procrastination, honestly. I mean, like... You know, I guess I would... It was not something I would have thought of on my own, but if like you asked me, hey, have scientists ever studied procrastination? I would probably go... Yeah, I bet somebody has. I wouldn't have thought, but uh, they did. Yeah. There's actually quite a bit of knowledge about procrastination. Yeah. And the even come up, well, before we get into the equation itself, they find that there is three uh, most common types of procrastination. While we're procrastinating, I got to point out that I did Google that phrase. If English was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Apparently goes back at least 50 years, most recently attributed to Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, in a popular series of memes a few months ago. But apparently it's been misattributed to various politicians over the decades, including George President or President George W. Bush. <laughs> George um, President Bush. George President Bush. <laughs> um, and we, we weren't procrastinating. We were talking about the subject. And he yeah. brought us back. But, but Hitch, now, now, I've, now my my blind faith that Chris Hitchens remembers everything he's ever read perfectly has uh, taken a hit. Cause I remember him saying that this, uh, I just got a wiki quote uh, that shows uh, in a variation of this quote was reported in the New York times in uh, 1881. Hmm. What? Yeah. Apparently uh, there was a, so it's just a popular thing to misattribute to dumb people <laughs> I, or, or people who are on the other side of you on, in the political spectrum. 
It's kind of fascinating. This one, this one was attributed once at least to the first female governor of Texas, Texas in 1924. So yeah, it's been around. Sorry, I, I derailed us again. All right, we got, we got three kinds of procrastinators, right? At least we're on like subject. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. <laughs> there's a uh, there's procrastinating because you have a low expect low expectation of uh, reward. Expectancy. Yeah, low expectancy. That's also the first time reading this article that I'd heard of the word expectancy. Yeah, and uh, then that was an important concept for me to understand because that is my main issue with procrastination. Same here. It tends to be an expectancy thing because yep. I have low self esteem. I'm like, what's what's it matter? This is going to change nothing. We're all going to die, and the government's going to get in the way anyway, and nobody cares. Oh, that sounds more like value, which is the next one. The task is low value. We all put off what we dislike. No, I think because low value is more like I in- intrinsically don't value this thing that I'm doing, whereas like I... Expectancy is I don't think I'll be able to do it, so why bother? I, well, I think it's not only that I don't think I'll be able to do it, but whatever I do do, it won't... Um, it won't i won't meet with success yeah i will do the thing and then it'll turn out to be a big failure whereas low value is like i literally hate this thing that i'm doing right it's uh it's like doing math homework it has no value to me it's just something that needs to be done as opposed to like writing a book where that is like i find great value in this and i kind of enjoy doing it but i expect no one will read it and therefore it's harder to do it that's if you value it yeah I guess there's yeah, the two components sort of like if you value the task you're doing or like if society values your product. Um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, the other one is impulsiveness, which, you know, going on Facebook or instead of or like playing video games instead of doing your math and work. Yep. Uh, Keep getting distracted by more urgent or interesting things like who first said the uh, if the King's English is good enough for Jesus quote. <laughs> Distractibility, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it does. Uh, he the, he does uh, mention that an events impact on our decisions decrease as its temporal di- distance from us increases. Uh, we're less motivated by delayed rewards than immediate rewards, and importantly, the more impulsive you are, the more your motivation is affected by such delays. So, high impulsivity people will have a uh, have a harder time doing things that are far in the working on things where the reward is far in the future because it just, it multiplies that, uh, that time delay discounting. Yep. So we didn't talk about delay though. Yeah. Cause delay is not something you can do I guess much that's about. Not, yeah. It's like your, your reward is your grade at the end of the semester and that's where it is. It's not going to come any closer. So yeah, sorry. I, I was jumping ahead. I realized, uh, cause d- there's the four components of the equation, but, uh, that we were just talking about the three types of procrastination. So, um, oh, okay. That is literally the next part. <laughs> Expectancy, value, delay, and impulsiveness are the four major components of procrastination. So, uh, you get this equation, which, uh, I used to just like keep by my computer all the time. I should probably oh. do that again. Oh, neat. Uh, motivation equals expectancy times value over impulsiveness times delay. Yes. So the expectancy, uh, to, to summarize, uh, is the expectation of the value. Uh, you're unlikely to pursue something to its completion with any vigor if uh, you decrease the size or certainty of the task's reward. Uh, so uh, expectancy times value is the things that motivate you. How much you expect this to work and how much you actually value it. And then that is divided by, decreased by the delay, how far away it is, 
multiplied by your impulsivity, impulsivity since that uh, that increases the you know how important delay is to you, and that's uh, that's your total motivation. We can try to apply this to a real life problem I'm currently going through. Do it. Well, it, it's great because I I'm fortunate to have uh, on average really good problems, and so right now my problem is I'm trying to find a house to buy, and right. because it's in the greater Denver area. Every place goes on the market for two days and someone drops an offer that's like $20,000 in cash over asking, um, which it's lenders won't give you. to get a house here. Yeah. So uh, we had a place a couple weeks ago that we liked. We put an offer in, an aggressive offer, and then had the inspection and the place was a total disaster. And so uh, backed out of it. And like that completely took the wind out of my sails for like a full week. Yeah. And so it sounds like what happened there is the expectancy went way down. So the value is still high. Yeah, you still want a house. You value a house for its own right sake. Yeah, yeah, you just don't expect that it'll go well. And let's see, the delay factor here was um, trying well, to find There's definitely, a, like, when you're trying to buy a house, a lot of waiting. Yeah, there's a bit of that. But, I mean, I think it's just also, uh, I'm trying to find where delay is succinctly summarized. Um, oh, I don't think delayed, delay- de- delayed rewards. Yeah, so, like, I'm being motivated by something that's, like, 60 days out, right? Um, yeah. So th- that's going to stay constant no matter what the place is. I think it was the expectancy. And so like we looked at one on what yesterday, Saturday, liked it, put in an offer. And then for a long story short, they, they countered and they're like, hey, look, we're getting a lot more offers than we thought. But, you know, what's like your highest that you'll go? And I'm like, well, that sounds like a Shark Tank bullshit where they're going to you know get 40 percent <laughs> of my company when they would have taken 20 if I hadn't aimed so high. Um, so we put in an aggressive offer anyway, because I figured, you know what, I've got uh like I guess quote unquote retirement savings, but it's not just in like IRAs. It's in like funds that I can't liquidate without penalty. A house is also kind of saving for retirement too. I mean, it's yeah. a it's an asset, and if in Denver especially, it's gonna d- probably just keep increasing in value. Unlike yeah. the houses I bought that just decreased in value, in New Jersey. <laughs> I was thinking about all that stuff too, but then I was thinking, you know what, fucking YOLO. Like you know, I can borrow money from the future from future Stephen, who I think will be fine lending it to me, and. Uh, Does future Steve want to be homeless? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Currently, luckily, I have a home. And so it's not like trying to, you know, beat beat out a rent uh, uh, lease expiring or something. Anyway, I was just looking at that because all week I'm just running around with like no energy and then went and looked at some dumpster fire yesterday morning. And then the second place we looked at was the one that we actually wanted. And it turned out to be fucking tight. So um, fingers crossed. Anyway, I was just looking at like my motivation. I like could basically watch ebb and flow all week on this and it does turn out i think the the only variable value here was expectancy it's the main one for me uh when i actually remember to apply this and uh i should mention that the article suggests or rather um this is based on a book called the procrastination equation so it's kind of a book review but um i liked this article better than the book i think oh did you read the book too um yeah i i did a while ago and it's been so long though that like I've I mean, a hard time remembering it, uh, exactly why. I think just this was more succinct, and but I think also the I like the way that Luke Prague explained how to use the equation yeah. because uh, they say that to apply this kind of you first of all notice that you're procrastinating. That's that's the hard part mm-hmm. um, sometimes, but uh, then you look at this. Okay, so where's my motivation flagging? So. You take a look at each of these sort of four components, expectancy, value, impulsiveness, delay, and try to, you know, is it 
the I have just low expectations for whatever I'm trying to do, so I don't care. Do I just not care about it that much? Because like someone's making me do this thing, but I don't really want to. Uh, do I want to do it, but I just keep getting distracted by this awesome video game? Mm. Uh, is it just like like saving for retirement? <laughs> uh, it's going to be a long time before that, that matters, and and you're like in your twenties or something. You're just like, ah, I'll save for retirement next year. Mm. <laughs> Got plenty of time. Don't do that. Um, so first, you find out where where your problem is, and then you try to address that problem. Yeah, and the book and the article also break down the four components expectancy value impulsiveness delay and then like here's techniques to use against that and we're about to get into those yes but I before we point out that i think at the top you know she said that luke luke also wrote the the procrastination equation mm-hmm. um, no, no no he wrote uh this review of it right how to beat procrastination but i think that i heard you say that he wrote the book and he didn't oh okay i apologize if i said that i was totally mistaken i did not mean to use those words he, he was reviewing a book someone else wrote i may have heard words he didn't say who knows uh, well i mean I make sure it's, that it's someone... very easy to say things like you know they beaked their clips or you, you don't even realize <laughs> you're saying things wrong okay so um sorry i was just looking it up because uh, i couldn't remember the actual book the procrastination equation is by pierce Steele, mm. and it has yeah, the it's links to in the post that is a fantastic name i pierce Steele. pierce <laughs> Steele. yeah it's a good name. Uh, and also, now that I'm looking at the cover of the book, I remember I did actually like the book a lot, too. I think just the article stuck in my mind more. Um, it's easier to remember an article than an entire several hundred page book. Yeah, and now I feel like I should reread the book, though. <laughs> but um, so I found, uh, just before we jump forward, a, a little interesting aside. Uh, he puts in this article, college dorms and college campuses in general might be the most distracting places on Earth. There are always pleasures to be had that are reliable, immediate, and intense. And two things about this. The first being that, yes, this is, I love college dorms and campuses, not only because of all the distractions, but just like the general air of now we are living the life of the mind and this is great and everyone's in this together. And like, I I would really like to live in one of those communities again someday. But uh, also, I just... This was written in 2011, back when rationalism was still very young and was still very much like a youth movement. And this had a huge, I mean, this, this would speak to the majority of the, of the readers, right? Whereas nowadays, I mean, it's still a youngish movement. We still got a lot of younger people in it. 20s and 30s, I think. A lot of, yeah, well, a lot of people that were originally, you know, reading this in, in the early, yeah, yeah. uh, We've, we've aged. Shortly thereafter. (laughs) Time passed, unfortunately, and uh, we got older and it is. It is not as much of a youth movement anymore, though it's still, you know, on the youngish side of movements. Yeah, I still meet some young people yep, yep. in the movement. And there's still, you know, plenty of rationalists that are in college. I, I'm, I wonder what the demographic breakdown is like nowadays. I was just uh, wondering whether we should... I know that Sister uh, Codex does a demographics survey, mm-hmm. but did they do one? Because Sister Codex got like... There was, taken down for yeah, there was quite a the while. Whole New York Times thing, which threw a monkey wrench and everything. The I'm assuming both the book and the post make the assertion that there's little you can do about the delay of a task's reward. Like your grade is coming at the end of the semester, no matter what. Uh, even in your case, the house is 60 days away due to the signing and uh, the whole process that goes with that. But um, I don't know. I don't think that's true necessarily. I think tasks can be sometimes moved up in a. Uh, up in time it is am i totally off base here because i think there's a lot of things one could possibly do to move a a project's completion date up if one had to so like it depends on the project right 
um, you know, it, in the case of like grades, you're not going to get sooner gratification for that. You could set like your own motivation for it. Be like, when I finish my paper, I will allow myself to, you know, get drunk and party or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, set a new motivation, but you know, for other things, the, it, uh, the delay is just a matter of how long it takes you to do it. You know, if you want to, I don't know, replace your kitchen sink because your current one sucks. Well, as soon as you get done doing it, then you have the new sink, right? Yeah. So you, you can you move that time sink. around. But like college, I mean, like, yeah, I think I, I ran into in college or like just in school generally, uh, all the time was putting something off till the last minute. Like if you have an essay and they give you a week to do it, I would do it like the period before it was due <laughs> pretending to pay attention to whatever lecture was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think, yeah, I guess delay is the hardest one to have any real impact on. Yeah. Like you kind of have to apply willpower or maybe you could use habits, but for the like essay example, you could set kind of, okay, I'm going to write this many words per day. And at this time, maybe do Pomodoro's or something. I think the essay is like a good example because it was due when it was due, period. And there's nothing you can do to change that. I guess you could turn it in earlier, but... It seems like to write the best quality essay, you would want to put the time in. (laughs) But no one does that. Although now I'm thinking about replacing guilt, sort of like idea of just sort of half-ass it with all you've got. Yeah. (laughs) Is your real goal to write like a masterpiece of an essay or is it to get an A? But anyway, like that's sort of neither here nor there. I guess I was just slightly annoyed how they just skimmed right over it. They're like, yep, delay. Can't do anything about that one. So it's focused on the other three. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You could maybe do something. Yeah, there's like, there are things you can do to minimize the effect of the delay, but you can't make the thing happen sooner, usually. I If you can, then, then delay is not the issue anymore. I have a friend who uh, originally went for a double master's in legal and business, and uh, he'd have one year legal and then one year business and realized he absolutely hated business. He was going (laughs) to focus just on legal, but now he was one year behind. So uh, he tested out of a lot. Well, I mean, he basically took a doubled up year where he took a bunch of classes, but the easier ones, he just didn't go to them. And uh, his final grade was determined entirely on his test score. So he just showed up and took the test and passed it. And so uh, passed those classes doing that because yeah. he knew enough stuff that he didn't have to show up for every class and invest all that time. So he kind of moved up his his way with that. I wish I could have done that, but I have an art degree and you can't really like mm. test out of art. Yeah, you just got to do lots of art. <laughs> Look, I can hardly draw a perfect human skeleton. Mm. Uh, clearly, I don't need this class. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's kind of... I don't know. Yeah, sometimes there's things you can do about delay, but uh, I think like what they're kind of saying is if delay is genuinely the issue, if there, if it is something that you can't change, then there's not as much yeah. that you can really do about that. So instead, let's go through the other three, starting with expectancy, since that seems to be both uh, me and Jace, Jace, uh, me and Jace's primary issue. Uh, the how to increase your expectancy of success uh, and thus increase motivation by increasing that. Uh, the first thing suggested was success spirals give yourself a series of meaningful challenging but achievable goals and then achieve them set yourself up for success by doing things you know you can succeed at again and again to keep your confidence high and i think this is probably just like the best general life advice in anything uh it's also kind of like really fucking hard advice because when you boil down to it's like when you look at it on the surface it's like 
win more and be less of a loser. It's like, <laughs> yeah, sure. That would also increase my my optimism and my expectancy if I was winning more often and losing less often. But that's fucking, you know, hard to do. You can't just like try harder. And uh, you could, but you could. I mean, it gives you some examples of ways to do this, which I think we should get into. But that is the one that's just like, you know, if I if I was winning more, I wouldn't be having this problem in the first place. Right. Yeah. But I do think on its face, it does sound kind of like it's making fun of you. Yeah. But I always think back. Oh, Hello, time, dog. Time. <laughs> uh, but I always think back to uh, when when these success spirals are brought up is the case of the military, which is I hear the military does this very well. And uh, it seems from my brother's experience, that's the case that one of the things they do during basic training and just when you're you know a, a fresh new military person, do they call them recruits nowadays still? Probably. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what else they call them. I mean, call them the FNG. FNG. Fucking new guys. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, but it's sergeants are really fucking harsh on you. But the goals they set tend to be things like make your goddamn bed so it's fucking perfect every morning, and uh, you can do that, and you do. And like it, it in the first several weeks, it really part of breaking people down is to uh, be very harsh on them and demonstrate to them let them see that they can have demands placed on them and meet those demands and it kind of sets up this success spiral kind of thing where you're like oh okay yeah i can do this i'm competent i know how to dig a hole and i can follow these orders and uh and it's it starts building people up and that's especially important for people who've had shit lives up to that point and you could do this for yourself too just set yourself you know attainable goals that aren't related to like your giant ambition right um, yeah but it's much harder when you don't have the sergeant yelling at you Make your bed is a good one. Clean your room. That's a really good life hack. You know, Maybe we wash should your car. Not as much cardboard sound. Yeah. <laughs> and dog sound. Oh, no, it's right. Oh, you're all done. All as, right. as the person on the receiving end of the mics, I could barely hear it, so I was comfortable talking over it. Okay. Um, okay, cool. It sounds pretty loud on our end, so I was worried, but eh. also, you know, our audience can deal with it. <laughs> that's right. Brodsky International Studios does not have great funding just yet. <laughs> Um, but so what are the things that are recommended for success spirals? If you don't have a sergeant yelling at you besides clean your room, make your bed. I mean, those Um, are always good things to do anyway. I like to, I realize I actually did uh, remember this one pretty well because when I find that I can't, like I'm not making progress on a task I really have to do. I I break it down into smaller steps Hmm. and I try to intentionally break it down into like just dead easy steps. If I'm really like, I don't know if there's something that's just been sitting on my task list and it's like, I know I got to go get my car fixed, but it's $700 and this did just happen. Oh, it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like, that's another procrastination thing. I guess there's, there's an UG field. Mm-hmm. Does that slot into one of the four things? Uh, this was field? before the UG field concept was introduced. Hmm. Was it? Yes, definitely. It was a while ago. Anyway, so... I mean, this is 2011. This was written. It's 10 years, man. I would have like, you know, go get your car fixed on my task list. And then it would just sit there. And then eventually I'll like, okay, I'm going to break this down into steps. Step one, mm-hmm. look up a car dealership like on Google. Step two, dial the number. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it sounds dumb, but if you I've, psychologically, if you're just looking at like one single bullet point, that's, I don't know, like by you know everybody christmas presents it's really hard to get any forward movement on that if you're not excited by it say mm-hmm. like i don't know money's tight or you're just like oh man i hate 
shopping. But if you just list every individual person by name, yeah. and every time you get them a Christmas present, you can knock one of those off the list. Yeah, and when you look at a single bullet item that's like, get Chris a stuffed frog from this website, you're like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. And then, okay, now get Jeremy, I don't know, a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that helps. Um, the things. Uh, so breaking a task down into smaller steps. Yeah. Uh, that you can look at and you know, like, oh, I can do that. Like, I have an expectancy that that will. I don't know if that's how you use that word. <laughs> I have an expectancy that that, that will succeed. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, the thing that uh, is specifically recommended for success spirals, where you you know set up set up successes so that you you can ramp off those, is uh, one of them says learn a new skill, whether it's cooking or karate or whatever. Just getting that under your belt makes you feel better. Uh, also, volunteer for more responsibilities at work or in your community because you can do the things other people give you to do. You have tasks, you complete them, you have successes. Uh, push a favorite hobby to the next level, like get better at that game you've been playing or or whatever it is that you want that you like doing. Uh, all those things are good. I want to point. I want to just uh, put a big spotlight on that one because that's that's an interesting and I think good example. You know, like I go through large periods of my life where I procrastinate by playing video games. And, you know, if I have a lot of these motivation issues or whatever, you know, rather than just play, like set a goal, yeah, like do better. this good. Mm-hmm. And then at least you've done, you, you've accomplished something. You, you get that, that success spot, you know, you can kind of get that, the, the ball rolling on that success spiral. Yeah. Don't just grind out another level, like set a new time record or don't do it without taking any damage or something. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. I keep replaying a, Breath of the Wild in master mode in order to unlock the DLC, the, the sword trials, and then beat all of the battle rooms. And I did actually, I realized like I wasn't even thinking about this, but during a period of depression, I just tried to do it much like I, I, you basically have to be speed running it anyway. They did, did not balance it well for master mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get like so many things can kill you in one hit. <laughs> but uh, I realized that that did boost my confidence. Cool. I wasn't even really thinking about that as like a I like being able to reframe that as a productivity hack and not just to like what I was doing when I was depressed. Right. <laughs> you were gaining successes. Yeah. To add to your spiral. Getting better at yeah. the last. <laughs> he sums it up by saying the key is to achieve one goal after another and pay attention to your successes. Hmm. I think I'm bad at that part. Gotta be paying attention. Well, you do need that reward signal in order to kind of, for it to work. <laughs> I mean, that's why you can do things like post about it on, on your social media of choice, your Discord or your Facebook or whatever. And uh, That sounds like bragging. Yeah, uh, bragging's important. Bragging's like good in some cases. I, I, I think people are too scared of bragging to the point where like they hide their successes. And yeah, like just being a braggart and always boasting about stuff is bad. But like every now and then, you know, I, uh, oh, hey, here's a great example. Uh, three was three days ago, maybe four days ago. Now, uh, I sold another short story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, to a new market, dark matter magazine. I'm going to be published in issue number eight of theirs. So pretty new, but, uh, they're a professional playing market rate market. They pay eight cents a word, which is the uh, professional rate for science fiction. And I was like, totally stoked because there aren't all that many markets that, that pay, uh, that rate. And that's fucking awesome. Yeah. So you guys can see that in March, but yeah, that's one of those things that see, was that, was that bragging? 
no, like the thing is, when I was saying I, I don't like it, I'm saying I don't like doing it. Like yeah, when, when do you, it when you do it, I'm like, yeah, like see, I, or you know, when people are like, just imagine you have given other, you can give other people the same feeling that you just got when you were like, yeah, good for you. I guess you're you're doing them a favor by helping make their day a little too, brighter. I guess yeah, they're like nice. A friend of mine is kicking ass. Um, or like Stephen when he gets a new house. Did we? Or decides that it was pointless and it won't win anyway. We'll see how it shakes out. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But no, no, I, I, I think that was very motivational way to put it. Uh, You know, uh, we felt great hearing about your success. If, if you don't like bragging, well then, then do it with the mindset of, I'm going to make people feel great about hearing about my success because I like hearing about theirs. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. I do remember. I was always like, this makes so much I don't know. A dumb thing I was going to say was when I've been in peer groups of people that are doing stuff, I was always more motivated to do stuff too. Yes. Well, that brings us to the next point. Wonderful segue. Uh, Vicarious victory. Have access to community, have access to community groups that are great for fostering positivity. Uh, The examples he gives are Toastmasters, Rotary, Elks, Shriners. I added in there personally, writers workshops I have found are absolutely fucking great. Because, yeah, you have this thing where everybody is working on the same thing. Everybody can tell each other about their successes as they're doing it and encourage each other. And, you know, every month you meet and you tell each other what you've been doing, how much progress you've made. It's like it's highly motivating. So having those sorts of things is great. And I would strongly recommend it to everyone. And there's like the less wrong study hall. Uh, There's probably other... I know there's discords. Uh, well, actually, University of Bays, I think they do uh, like co-working groups or... The, I do think it's the cohorts of the Guild of Servants were, or I guess the Guild of the Rose yeah. were doing a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, I do think it's very important. Guild of the Rose is a great example. I should add that. Uh, that all of these are things that have uh, scheduled meeting dates in advance where you're you know, not expected to show up, but you like, have some accountability. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's just a group that you can check into or not or whatever, you can drift in and out of it. But having an actual date and time set for each of these things and showing up at it is, uh, I don't know, there's there's a little extra oomph to having that that expectation set. Yeah, positive peer pressure is really useful for. Yeah, having it on the calendar is integral for me to get shit done. Yeah. Um, it's hard, a, you know, if, I, if I say I'll do it eventually, then you could bet three years ago by and uh, I haven't done it yet. Yeah. But if I have it on the schedule for Friday, I'll get it done on Friday. It's one of the great things about Gil of the Rose. They have uh, scheduled meeting dates for all their cohorts, meeting dates and times. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So yeah, definitely having access to communities. You can all share in each other's victories. Uh, Luke personally recommends you visit five to 10 such groups in your area and then join the best one. That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, five isn't that bad. <laughs> Go to three to five then. Are there even five? I mean, probably there are. Every time you visit five. one, though, that's a success. So there we go. You know, put that on the spiral. Yeah, you gotta, you know, frame it right. Yeah. And then, um, I guess it says you could boost your optimism by watching inspirational movies, reading inspirational biographies, and listening to motivational speakers. So, Absolutely. Uh, motivational music is fucking great. Depends on whatever your motivation and music is like. I think, I forget if it was even in the, yeah, it might've been in the comments of this article that I found out about Boards of Canada hmm. or like the, there's a few that uh, I used to use a lot, uh, like even specific albums. I think I actually found them from the art, the article uh, comments here. I'm, I'm going to, 
I, I hate to introduce negativity into something that is more all about optimism, but I have found it very inspiring every now and then to read a complete tree. <laughs> I was going to say the train same wreck thing. of a book. Yeah. Cause I'm like, this piece of shit got published. I can write better than this crap. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to say the exact same thing. I realized that, uh, what I was thinking of was like when I'm going through hardship, uh, I like recently went through a really bad breakup and I had a really obnoxious move and I was pretty depressed. And I just listened to the audiobook of A River in Darkness, hmm. which is about a man escaping from North Korea. <laughs> I forget if I mentioned that on the podcast already or not. It's yeah. all the same stories, but like, it's kind of like, oh man, my life is not this bad. <laughs> so that's kind of motivating in, a, in the opposite way. Cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things that can be motivating. Stephen, what motivates you to be a better programmer? Paychecks. Terror Word. of losing my job. Okay. So kind of paychecks. Uh, it, it all comes down to like enjoying having a place to live and food to eat. So, you know, if there's something I need to get good at, it's if I... It took me like two years at my last job to get over the like the feeling of they're realize they're going to realize I suck and fire me. And I know that that's oh, imposter like imposter syndrome. It sounds like imposter syndrome, and I was told that's part of it. But I think the other part is I I kind of use that as a motivation technique, mm-hmm. and that's probably not the healthiest way to look at it. But uh, or to, rather to to motivate yourself of like with just the threat of a stick. But dude, whatever works. I was just gonna say yeah. Sometimes you have to just do what works. Yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah. Uh, another technique uh, recommended is mental contrasting. Uh, he starts out by saying that a lot of people think regularly and vividly imagining, imagining, <laughs> imagining, imagining what you want to achieve uh, can be helpful. But actually, research shows that this method can actually drain your motivation. Uh, the crucial step is mental contrasting. After imagining what you want to achieve, contrast that with where you are now. Visualize your old rusty car and your small paycheck. This presents your current situation as an obstacle to be overcome to achieve your dreams and jumpstart planning an effort. Uh, I don't, I don't know about this one. I mean, I mentioned it because it's in the post and uh, you can't just skip over shit, but like, it kind of seems dangerous to me. How so? I'm curious. Well, in part because like, as he said, the whole vividly imagining what you want to achieve, like the research shows that's bad. And that's totally like, yeah, once you've lived in that world in your imagination for a while, what do you even need to pursue it in real life for because you've already got the good happy feeling from imagining it but um but then he says oh but it's important to contrast that with where you actually are and sure i can see that happening but then also won't you get all depressed like oh shit this is what i want but i got this crappy ass car i got this tiny paycheck like how is i don't know it seems like it would be demoralizing to me uh i forget if it was the this article or the book or somewhere else but i heard that what works is visualizing the steps it'll take to get there where the problem is if you just visualize having a huge paycheck and an awesome card and just fantasize about that uh there's the disconnect between sort of like how do i get there uh that's the part that's not fun to think about Hmm. doing the work but i guess i do sometimes you know think about how awesome it would be to look like hugh jackman and wolverine and that helps (laughs) what Jackman and Wolverine, where he's all like and ripped and shit. I'm like, ah, that would be that would be awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna go work out a little more. You mean Hugh Jackman every time he plays Wolverine? Well, yes, yes, yeah, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just mean, Wolverine. yeah, that was he's he was you know the icon of and now it's Chris Hemsworth, but um, right, right. You know, like it's like when you when when many of us went to go see 300 in the movie theaters and then wanted to do crunches, you know, in the parking lot before you got back to the car. Um, yeah, but 300 was so obviously CGI'd that I didn't believe any of them looked like that in real life. Fair Maybe enough. I'm just weird, but I'm anti-attracted to like that 
that level of musculature. I I was I, just talking to a friend about this about well, I talked to a couple of friends who's like said that um this is just a tangent. Maybe I should just not I can, tangent. I can get us back on track. Or we can well, I mean, I would, to you guys. I, I, I could say that like I'm not attracted to Hugh Jackman, but I would like to look like Hugh Jackman. Well, I think that's a common thing where like men want to look. I don't know. Like it seems like. Oh, dude! Yeah. Like speaking of that, I saw this this great uh, a contrast on um specifically about Hugh Jackman. Now that you mentioned it, <laughs> it was uh, Hugh Jackman on the cover of Muscle and Fitness magazine. He's all like ripped and like Wolverine. His skin is sticking to his muscles. His veins are popping out. And it's like uh... this is what guys want to look like. And then it has a picture of Hugh Jackman on um oh, what was it like Good Housekeeping magazine or whatever. <laughs> And like he's wearing a sweater, like a and he's kind of leaned over, and he's smiling, and you don't really see his muscles or anything. He just looks like a happy dude who's in in good health. And like this is what women actually want. I'm like, oh, I can see that he looks approachable and kind, and like he's happy. Like that that makes sense. But like that's 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 not what you fantasize about when you're like, yeah, I'm gonna get ripped. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna look nice in a sweater and smile at people. <laughs> I think both genders just have this distorted idea of what they think the opposite sex wants. Yeah, yeah, it's weird being in my neutral position or whatever it is right am i both or neither you're in a quantum superposition (laughs) right yeah but i think that you know if you're doing mental contrasting and regularly and vividly imagining what you want to achieve maybe the key is to again i hate to use the phrase attainable goals because i think one time in my life that was used in a in a way that like hurt my feelings, but oh. um, <laughs> have like, attainable goals, Steven. But, <laughs> but that said, I, I think that when you're not doing it in a uh, negative, when you're not phrasing that in a negative way, it's extremely valuable. You know, like I'm not, I'm never going to look like Chris Hemsworth because he's you know six inches taller than me at least, right? Mm-hmm. So let's not aim for that. Let's let's just aim for a little better than last month or something. Um, you know, I'll never be an Olympic level this, but I can be better than me of, of a month ago. I feel like that that's a good way of doing it. Um, Compare and, yourself to your past self. And, Not and I guess I realized that I did that with both things, but you know, it's uh it doesn't have to be your past self. I just think, you know, it can be whatever goal. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, some arduous task uh, that would, that would take, I don't know. Again, like, so remodeling a, a kitchen, right? Or, yeah. Okay. But, you know, so you can, you can imagine the completed kitchen, which will be there in two months of, you know, after 80 hours of really hard work, or you can imagine the new cabinets, you know, the new garbage disposal, the new floors, and just like picture one thing at a time. And those you can knock out easier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of sounds like the break down the task into smaller chunks Yep. yep. Uh, coming back. Well, it does end this success or this expectancy uh, section by saying guard against too much optimism, too much optimism about how long a task will take may cause you to put it off until the last minute. Also, the secret is too much optimism. You can't just want something really hard and it happens. Uh, So uh, key there is like plan for the worst, but hope for the best. Pay attention to how you procrastinate and make up, make backup plans for failure. That's a lot of stuff crammed into that one. It was, yeah. Those those could all be broken down because they're interesting, um, especially the making backup plans. Like, uh, I guess that's kind of the concept of a pre mortem, huh? Or oh god, I love those. When related. I first heard about that concept, yeah, it took me way too long to hear about that. And like, it sounds Same. like it's kind of in this article already. Just have we talked about that before? Also, uh, we can give a 
real fast summary of what it is just for people who aren't familiar yeah i feel like we should do that more <laughs> okay a pre-mortem is uh before you do a task you say okay let's imagine this task failed what was it that caused it to fail and then analyze that real fast and then prepare against that that was yeah i have nothing to add that was a good okay. uh breakdown so that was handling the uh, low expectancy. There's also problems of motivation that come just from low value. And uh, here are ways to increase a task's value, i.e. make it more pleasant or rewarding. This is the other half of the increasing motivations. Yeah. I forget if it said that in the beginning of the article. or, or uh, An important thing that seems like to consider if you notice a task has low value is maybe just don't do it. It's kind it of does like... say that at the end Okay, here. yeah, it was at the end. Uh yeah, I feel like it should be at the beginning if you're, you know, going down a checklist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I've also found that one to be really useful too, where like just the the concept of being able to just uncommit, <laughs> mm-hmm. which actually that word I think came from the book Essentialism. Uh, also a really good book about this sort of topic. But if yeah, you're like you're procrastinating because like this thing you're doing sucks. Like I've I don't know. There's a like graphics design projects that I was given and I was just like, Oh yeah, like I'll do that. It'll make some money do. And then I'm just like, I'm, I hate this project and I don't actually need this money that much. So why am I doing it? <laughs> uh, I could do, you know, something more high value instead. Will it damage your reputation though? If you back out on a project several weeks in? Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of more of it in the future. I shouldn't just, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although like if you are overwhelmed, you kind of commit from stuff. Uh, yep. it's not always great, but like, Sometimes you gotta. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta be like, "Look, I know I said I'd do this podcast with you, but I'm already on three other podcasts. I cannot fit a fourth <laughs> one in." Uh, but okay, some suggestions for increasing a task's value. Yeah. Say it's something that you have to do that you can't back out of. So one of those is flow. Uh, people often speak about flow as being intrinsically uh, valuable, just because it's it's nice to get in that zone where. You're being challenged, but things are clicking and you're succeeding. It's so uh, if it's like the, right at the edge of your difficulty. Yeah. Uh, threshold. It says if the task you're avoiding is boring, try to make it more difficult. Right up to the point where the difficulty level matches your current skill. And I think the best example I've seen of this in the wild recently is uh, we go to Perkins every usually twice a month for my book club. Uh, we also went to Perkins very recently for the latest Less Wrong Meetup. Uh, but at the Perkins, there is a particular waiter who's an interesting fellow. I was at that same person. Oh, were you there? Oh, at okay. our list? I was at the last wrong one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Oh, that's right. You brought, um, Raj. Raj that's right. Shout yeah, out yeah. to Raj. What up Raj? But yeah, there, there's this raider who just, uh, he doesn't bring a notepad or a pencil. He just memorizes everybody's order and he gets them right about 95% of the time. I did not notice him doing that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's impressive. You can actually see him trying to commit it to memory, but like, I was like, why the fuck is he doing this? Has he not heard of pen and paper technology? <laughs> is that <laughs> why he's doing it? I, I can't imagine any other reason why he, he would. He we just... talked to him when we were paying our bill because we left yeah. early. Uh-huh. And he talked about that. Yeah, that passes the fun. Um, yeah. Because I mentioned otherwise... how impressed I was with it. And he was like, oh, yeah, no, I've been doing that forever. You know, my, my record is like 26 or something, 26 orders. And nice. he says one of the keys is that I'm not the least bit embarrassed about going in and asking if I forgot something. Cool. And I'm like, you know, so he just, he, he's as like Zen as hell about it. It's awesome. Yeah. Cause otherwise it's a brain dead, boring job, right? That kind of seems like maybe Take- he should get a different job if he's that under challenge, but I don't know his situation. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have that uh, option right now. 
But yeah, he was like, this is boring as fuck. So uh, instead of writing down orders and relaying them to the kitchen, I'm going to memorize them and relay them to the kitchen. And that makes it hard enough that the job isn't terrible for him. Yeah, like, um, it seems counterintuitive to say that if you're struggling with something, try to make it harder. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have found the gamification mm-hmm. <laughs> really helps. Like, I don't know, when I was doing like data entry at my research job, um, I would try to just like time myself and see if I could beat my record of how fast I could uh, enter the data or um, lots of video game challenges are basically this thing. Do the thing you've already been doing, but you know, do it faster or do it without using this weapon or do it without taking damage. Like, (laughs) yeah, the thing I was mentioning, the sword trials is a breath of the wild where they take away all of your armor and weapons. Mm -hmm. I love it in that game. You just like, I literally just kind of start in boxer shorts. Mm -hmm. They're like fantasy boxer shorts, but still (laughs) there's a couple of times in the game where they challenge you. uh, Cause there's another like period where you, if you try to get to this one Island, uh, a cutscene happens where like your boat crashes or something. And then you're, it's like, Oh, you've lost all of your items and now you got to get off this Island. And I I actually love that part too. (laughs) It's funny because it seems like that would be really annoying, but like, I really like the parts of the game that like that are like the beginning where you're just running around trying to pick up sticks to fight things with. And mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So yeah, make it hard. Challenge is motivating sometimes. Another thing you can do to increase tasks value is uh, it's examine the meaning of the task to you. Make sure that the tasks are connected to something you care about in some grander way, even if it's just a, you know, long chain of events. Like uh, I care about, I don't know, uh, my children who depend on me, uh, and therefore I am going to go to this job and make a paycheck so that I can give them food and clothing or whatever the in tying meaning into what you're doing can make it immensely more motivating. I tried to intentionally do that also at the research job where when I was working at Lung cancer Institute, mm-hmm. um, there's like, yeah, a lot of just hours of entering data hours and hours of going through a patient chart and okay, their blood pressure was this. And I, actually like had photos of I, I have like two friends who died of cancer mm. so i would like like i'm doing you know i'm doing this data because it's contributing to research that is going to come up with drugs that will save people's lives yeah and i would have to remind myself of that occasionally when i found myself like oh man i, I don't want to do it yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah but like you know if you're not working on cures for cancer there is always like and, well, there's not always, but generally, yeah, you can trace the like chain of events down. Like Inyash was saying, like I don't care about this job or whatever, but and it's not really helping people. Maybe you're, I don't know. It was, <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example of a job that's not really helping people. And I, well, I, my job as an accountant for an apartment company, like it, it's a long chain. But like when you get down to it, I'm helping a company provide people a place to live. They have a home. And my company is part of that, and I am part of keeping this company going. So that was a stretch, <laughs> and it didn't work super well, but it worked. A, it helped a little bit sometimes. Yeah, I think maybe if you kind of if you trace back the chain of events and notice that there isn't any value, then that's another sort of time when you should maybe reconsider what you're doing. Yeah. But uh, I think usually you can figure out some way to add meaning to what you're doing right i mean my company isn't the only one doing this if they were to go away a different company would step up but ultimately somebody has to provide housing it can't just be that nobody does it and i was part of the somebody's that did it so that was cool yeah uh, another thing you can do is uh try to to uh for value 
is uh, try to increase your energy levels specifically by uh, ten. Well, there's a number of ways you can do this, but energy is super important. Uh, people with more energy are more motivated. Uh, I guess kind of goes without saying, but is being said anyway. So tackling tasks when you're most alert helps a lot. Uh, See, according to research, most people have the most energy during a period starting a few hours after they wake up and lasting about four hours. Uh, so see if that also applies to you. It probably does because you're a human, but maybe you have different rhythms. Yeah, it's important to pay attention or like to figure out uh, if you have a reliable, like, I notice I'm more productive when these circumstances are, are like so. For example, uh, I know Anish, you go to a coffee shop to write. Mm-hmm. I used to have to do that when I was trying to do like NaNoWriMo or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of different, like, okay, if you're, you know, in a library or um, in a, in a coffee shop, uh, you're less likely to get distracted by stuff at your house. And also other people around you are working. So you have that sort of positive peer pressure thing. Uh, I am more productive at night, which is really annoying, mm. <laughs> but you know, it's at least helpful to know. Yeah. To try to get stuff done. It does. Like if I have important stuff to try to, you know, keep a keep a night free. Yeah. In addition to knowing about your best energy window, uh, there are three specific pieces of advice given, which I cannot endorse more strongly because I find these are amazing. Uh, first, get enough sleep. Uh, it is crucial to all sorts of things in your life, and having enough energy is a big part of them. Exercise regularly. Uh, likewise, just same thing I said before. Super important. Helps with your brain and all that too. And declutter your life, which some people, uh, I guess, I don't know, aren't aware of, but it's always worked super well for me. Uh, clutter is just cognitively exhausting. And I find this to be very true. I I often refer to clutter as like visual noise. It's just stuff in my field of vision that that is grating on me and, and makes it harder to focus on things and drains me. Like, I, I do have a fair bit more visual clutter in my house right now than I am used to, but uh, hopefully that will change a bit more. And even so, it's much less than what I see sometimes in other people's houses. Like just declutter, it helps a ton. Although I actually find myself wondering whether this is universally true. Uh, I feel like I have seen research that some people perform better, like or maybe it has to do with like creative tasks versus, but I don't know, like just, I know that there's like some genius inventors or, mathematicians or just you know like they've looked at different people's work habits and and like work places and like a lot of people are really messy who are also geniuses okay and is it sort of like i wonder are they a genius in spite of you know or or does it actually help in some way part of it might be like their ability like to kind of swap between tasks very quickly and so you know if they've got three things in their desk that they're working on for many of us that'd be distracting or unmotivated work related but just like having like a really cluttered desk that just you know like say you have like uh, when i was working at the video game company a bunch of my coworkers liked to just have lots of action figures or like hmm. you know the, those like square-headed collectible things that have dead yeah. soul size <laughs> like I, I don't i don't know um funko pops yeah 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 i think i don't, I don't know i've definitely was, heard rumors like, that like einstein's desk people. was messy or something hmm. but i, I don't know I don't, how much i don't want to just that. look this up right now but well Maybe declutter. I noticed that I'm confused about this. Maybe declutter only works for certain types of people, but definitely enough sleep and regular exercise. It's hard to imagine who that wouldn't work for. Yeah. I do think anyone who hasn't tried to declutter should at least try it once to see if it makes a big difference because it could. Yeah. yeah worst case scenario, you put all your stuff back. <laughs> yeah, right. 
but uh-uh. yes, energy Let's is move important. On. Moving on, uh, reward yourself for completing a task. Find a workout partner whose company you enjoy, for example. That makes it more rewarding uh, in itself. Treat yourself to a specialty coffee when doing your taxes. Just find a way to make doing the task itself slightly more pleasurable than it otherwise would have been. I forget if they mentioned this too, but you also, and I'm, I suck at this, you have to actually follow through with the reward or your brain will distrust itself. Hmm. I'm so bad at that where I'm like, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to treat myself to ice cream. And then I'm like, oh, I did it. Okay, I should get more work done now. It's like, I don't I don't need to get an ice cream now. I, that was my that was just my like motivation technique. Mm. And mm. now I can <laughs> And your brain's like, ah, I see you're a liar. Next time I'll just go for the one marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never really been good at that. Uh I don't know if there's some trick to it or something. Like the whole okay, I I, I want this pair of shoes, but like I will reward myself with this pair of shoes if I do X, Y, and Z. And then like, I just can't seem to do that. Either I won't get myself the reward if it's something that I don't need or like, or if it seems, I don't know, hedonistic or something. Hmm. I think I have other stuff going on hmm. <laughs> there, which is getting in the way of it. If you're the kind of person that can do that. Though. <laughs> yeah. the, the common example of giving yourself an M&M when doing, after doing something is, uh, I don't know. Supposedly works. I can't even do that. Like either I'm going to eat an M M&M and M or not. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that could be a good place to start it. Maybe you can like get someone else to reward you if you've done something. Or you know, this is this is part of the whole having groups thing. You go to a writer's workshop yeah. and they're like, "What did you write last month?" And you're like, "Nothing." They're like, "Boo!" Or you're like, "I wrote five thousand words last month." And they're like, "Yay!" So yeah, you get the you get the reward even if you're you weren't rewarding person. yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then. Passion. Passion. Focus, focus on doing what you love whenever possible. Um, to figure out what career might be full of tasks that you love to do, taking a personality test might help. That's a that's good advice because I'm actually looking for a new job and I, I'm having a hard time deciding if I want to go back into the medical field or go back to library science. Huh. I always I thought that this was like the least least actionable uh, advice because a lot of people don't have that much choice. I mean, I guess I don't know. They do. Like, sure, you want to follow your passion, but you don't always have the opportunity to do that, right? Also, I think everyone knows about this one, too. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of a no-brainer, but I feel like there's... I also worry about the thing where, like, when what you love becomes your job, you stop loving it because now you have to do it. Yeah. I I was going to say, I feel like there's more depth to it. Like, I'm trying to sort of pull together a thought here, but... Like, as soon as I actually, I realized as soon as I just said, like, I'm trying to decide if I want to go back in the medical field or library science, uh... And I was looking at this this line to figure out which career might be full of tasks you love to do. And I was like, oh, yeah, the tasks are a lot of data entry and like boring shit versus the library tasks were more motivating. So maybe I just figured it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the library tasks were more fun and or at least different. Because it's the endless daily repetitive tasks that you have to do every day for the rest of your life that are the things that you need to not be a grind. So regardless of what the job is, like the tasks that you have to do is probably pretty important. Yeah. Hmm. I got to think about that more, but yeah. Try to find a job with matching tasks that are fun. Like a lot of programming is puzzle solving. So those tasks are pretty fun, right? I, I can't get into programming. I keep trying to learn it and it's something about it's not sticky for me. Hmm. I mean, that if I could do it, anyone can. <laughs> well, I think you give yourself not enough credit for how both patient and smart you are. 
Uh, I get I get frustrated at my job a lot with how you know the, the I I mean I appreciate it. I'll try and just take the compliment, but I I want to just make sure that people don't have the same impression that I had five years ago that it's like this you know impossible black box of arcane magic that you have to be like a wizard to do. It turns oh, yeah. out that if you're bored and like like solving problems, then this is you know the kind of thing you could be good at. I think totally. that's my problem with learning programming is that I keep getting too much imposter syndrome and then giving up on it. Well, it's, it's mostly puzzle solving, but with a lot of frustration. I know I can do it. Like I know I can learn to do it and I have like learned some SQL and done some, like, I don't know. I can build like a basic website and stuff, but like for some reason I still have this mental block about like being the kind of person who can learn to program. Hmm. Steven, you were saying, I was going to just say, like, if you're if you're teaching yourself, I think the main thing is like, don't do it for the sake of doing it. Um, like, unless you're trying to get into that career. But if that's the case, I still think that the the goal is to, or one one good motivator is like, find a problem that you actually have that you want to to solve. Like, do you for for example, I wrote a a little script. Like, I, I almost never do programming outside of work, but I downloaded all of the Berserk manga a few months ago, and every <laughs> single file of the 360 something chapters um so then how many pictures per chapter i don't know but each file was its own uh picture and they all had like 32 characters of like you know the attribution of whoever put the torrent up right mm, yeah. and i'm like i'm not going to rename 5000 files but i can do it in four lines of python right nice. so you know little things like that and then hey look i did a success thing you know yeah you are the hacksaw that's right. I, I guess I need to get a trench coat now. Hell yeah. <laughs> Some cool shiny sunglasses that clip to your nose. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to handling impulsiveness, which the... Which we as a podcast, I think, <laughs> could probably get better at. The, the book and the article say that this is the majority of the problem for the majority of the people. So probably uh, a good one to handle. One of the things to do is commit. Commit now. Do Don't... it. Yes. Uh, and by committing, that means uh, closing off tempting alternatives, like literally just making them not accessible. Unplug your router. That That is the big one because the internet is super distracting. Unplug it. Do it now. Don't plug it back in. I, obviously, this doesn't work if the work that you have to do is online. But uh, <laughs> if it's not, do that. This is actually a big part of the reason why I go to a coffee shop to yeah. write is because there's changing so many. Distract, changing that distracting environment from one that's. Yeah. There's so many distractions here at home and there's so many things I not only could be doing, but I often feel like I should be doing. It's like my house isn't perfectly clean. Maybe I could go clean. I got I always, always, always run into that. That's why I suck at working from home. Like, yeah, I, I'll just end up like, oh, I got to, you know, clean the entire kitchen because I made food and yeah. I don't know why. Hmm. And even when it's not that, it's like I still have the, similar distractions from the Internet in the coffee shop as I do in the house. And yet. I am distracted less. Somehow. Yeah, yeah, it could... feels like I'm being judged by the people in the coffee shop or something. I can't I don't be know. on Facebook. They're going to see I'm on Facebook. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me to give up my chair. Yeah. <laughs> you do, dude. Yep. <laughs> why, why are you still here sipping coffee if you're on Facebook? Get to work or get out, sir. It's funny that that mentality works. Yeah. Even though, like, I know that nobody cares if I'm, like, on Amazon looking at stuff. <laughs> I've literally seen people playing video games at, at coffee shop. Like how, how could you, you're playing a video game in this sacred space. Get the fuck out. I never judge anybody else for 
doing stuff, but I always think that they're they're judging me, and like it's one of those. I do silently judge them in my head, though I don't say anything. Yeah. Well, now I'm updating. <laughs> uh, that being actually true, mm-hmm. people are judging you in Starbucks. Okay, but the important thing is to not care what right. they think. They're you know, if they're well, no, going to judge, it, they don't know why you're doing what you're doing. It's one of those things where actually I want to keep this like cognitive dissonance or cognitive bias or whatever it is because it's a, an important life hack mm-hmm. <laughs> to think that people are judging you. Like everywhere else in life, it's probably bad to like have spotlight bias or whatever. Yeah, but in but, Starbucks, it's good. And that is part of the reason I judge people because everyone else should. And I want to be the change I want to see in the world. <laughs> I don't so, know about that, but okay. <laughs> you do, you. I guess. Right. So yeah, uh, cut off uh, competing alternatives as much as you possibly can. Uh, uh, yeah. I wanted to, sorry, uh, kind of cutting you off. Yeah. But just like you were mentioning, if you have to do stuff online, then you can't unplug your router. But there's like rescue time uh, mm-hmm. and other... I don't even know if that's like the big one nowadays, but there's a bunch of services, software, uh, tools that you can use to, I don't know, I remember, for example, I can't remember the name of it, but there's one that I was using that you could put different websites that you knew you get distracted on, on a list, and then it would give you, and you could set how much time you have. So like when I was working in an office, uh, like the video games office, uh, you, it's like physically impossible basically to just be completely focused on work all day like humans aren't aren't really made for that but uh yeah i would do like i don't know like five minutes of tumblr five minutes of facebook just limit the amount of time you have a day and then after like that time is up if you try to go to facebook uh it just says like you've blocked this site from yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> get back to work dumbass didn't <laughs> say that but I, cool if i had written that program that's what i would have yeah. <laughs> no probably not yeah <laughs> there are, there are plenty of things like that where you can blacklist uh certain sites that you can either just say not at all when this thing's active or five minutes a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, a couple iOS versions ago, iPhones put that in with, uh, what do they call it? Uh, screen time. And mm-hmm. you can you can set That's goals, like I want to read five minutes a day or something, or uh, you have to like click through a, yes, I understand I'm going over my limit. If you want to say limit your Reddit time to 10 minutes a day, um, after that, you have to like acknowledge that yes, I know I'm failing. <laughs> uh, oh, they mentioned stick. Yeah, they said which... another option is make failure really painful. There's the website stick, which I was actually happy to see still exists ten years later. I Me too. I it. thought that it had gone under at some point. Yeah, a lot of. I was actually just going to ask that. Is that are they still around? They are. They are. Cool. They, there were some other links uh, in this post which were dead, so I didn't copy them over. But stick is still there. It lets you set aside money that you will lose if you don't meet your goal. Uh, you set things up so that your money will, you can set things up so that the money will go to an organization you hate if you fail. Uh, and you can have a referee agree to post the details of your donation to, you know, let's make Nazis great again to Facebook. <laughs> if, if that is what you, uh, if that is the organization that you hate or, or let's make communism great again, whichever one it is that you hate the most. <laughs> or uh, I don't know. Pedophiles for freedom. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm for the freedom, but not, not the pedophiles. I also want to just plug Beeminder. Uh, that one lets you set up. It's like a habit tracking thing. Um, or it can be a habit breaking thing where mm-hmm. you have to pay a small amount of money each time you like fail to, I don't know. 
like say, okay, your goal is exercise this much every day. And then if you don't, you have to pay five bucks each time. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was going to just explain like how to break a habit, but I feel like it's self-explanatory so I can stop. And the money would have to be enough that it would actually kind of hurt for you to give away that money to that organization or just to give away that money at all. Well, sort of, uh, yeah, I think that's just like for me, stick is sort of all in one Right. I, I actually am not exactly sure how a stick works, but like, I don't know, say like, yeah, you'll, you'll pay $50 if you don't do this thing where like right. this, this one project, whereas Beaminder works more for if it's something you want to make a habit out of like yeah. exercising daily. Uh, so it's a smaller amount, but it punishes you like each time. Yeah. Like I imagine most people, if, if their deadline was coming up and they'd only put five bucks in, they're like, okay, whatever, five bucks, but $50 would be more substantial. Yeah, and you, I mean, there's some people where fifty dollars don't mean nothing, and they'd have to like put five hundred on the line. Yeah, you do have to figure out. I guess also like, hmm, I don't really want to endorse this if someone it, like doesn't have a lot of money to start with either. Yeah, yeah. But I guess also like, yeah, you could set the amount small enough that it's not going to like screw you over, but it, it is going to hurt a bit. Like the five bucks each time you don't go to the gym probably isn't going to wreck anybody's finances. I don't know. I worry more about the small costs spread out over time because each one individually is easy to justify. It's like buying a lottery ticket or smoking a cigarette. That is kind like, of how like one certain... thing doesn't matter, but in the aggregate, like, fuck you. Like that's kind of like how Audible works. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, oh, like anytime like they give you a free trial of a thing, like, mm, yeah. them, and they count on like not remembering to unsubscribe from the thing. Yeah, kind of like yeah, they still have Disney Plus because it's like. Probably not getting my money's worth on Disney Plus. I should probably not have it anymore. Every time I subscribe to like a new recurring service, I always go straight to the settings and turn off the automatically renew. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. On most I things, you can. Do. Certainly on Xbox Live and PlayStation Live or whatever that's called. Um, cool. I, I know that with the, at least one uh, other thing. I mean, it depends. Like you know, Netflix, for example, I haven't bothered turning that because that keeps that on renew because I've been using that forever. But especially like the the live services for my consoles, I think I realized at one point I hadn't used either of them for like a, you know, many months and it, it amounted to like well over a hundred dollars of just wasted money. Oof, so I'm like, okay, yeah. turn these off and I'll turn them back on if I want to use them again. Yep. I, I haven't done the, just uncheck the auto renew thing, which I'm probably going to start doing. But uh, a thing I do do is if I'm like, for example, getting a, Okay, you got a thirty day trial of this software and then you have to buy it and you have to put your credit card in, but it's free until then and then it'll automatically charge you. I just uh will go to my calendar, like go thirty days and be like reevaluate at this point whether to cancel this thing or not. Yeah. And then I just have that notification because I would forget otherwise and I have been got that way by many things, many a time. Uh one of the things you can do for handling impulsiveness is to set goals. Goals are challenging and thus lead to flow and meaningful. And this is actually what you were talking about earlier. Uh, so I guess maybe we don't need to re uh, go over it, but it was the whole breaking up goals into lots of smaller sub goals, which themselves are easier to achieve and have immediate rewards when you do achieve them. It's really interesting reading this article again, because I realized how much of this I did actually internalize. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think uh, when I was talking about breaking up goal- goals earlier, I forgot that I might have originally gotten that idea from this post. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, it does say that daily goals are usually frequent enough, but it can help to start an immediate goal to break you through the getting started threshold. And then uh, once that first little task is completed, you're, you've got things rolling. Yeah, I definitely got that from this article. I can't believe how like dumb some hacks are that work. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
for example, I remember there was this one when I was having an issue uh, getting up at like the correct time without snoozing your alarm a bunch. I read it may have also been on less wrong. I'll be annoyed if it's in this article too, but <laughs> uh, it's probably not this article. But they said just jump out of bed, like don't like. Don't hit snooze, but don't like slowly get out of it. Like literally, just jump out like mm. as aggressively as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, "There's no way that's going to work." And then the times that I've tried it, it did work. It did, or at least like it worked more often than I would ex- have expected it to. Nice. And I've- that's like thing of the, making a really easy sub goal. Like I, I've made them incredibly stupid easy. If there's a task that I really don't want to do or that I'm really stuck on, mm-hmm. whereas I'll put step one open Gmail. Step two, navigate to the email. <laughs> the, the, just the amount of time it would take me to actually just write that out. like, <laughs> But the, the, it works. It works for motivation. I have the best hack in the world for getting up, which I I mean, I, I'm really lucky. I know not everyone can do this, but I invited the coolest person in the world to live with me. And so <laughs> now uh, every morning, like she'll get out of bed before I do and open up the blinds and the sudden influx of light like just makes a huge difference. And I'm eternally grateful for her. And that was, you know, that was great. Also, usually I'll, uh, I'll scroll through my phone for 10 minutes to wake my brain up. And then I'm still like kind of lethargic and tired when I get out of bed. I have to do physical therapy every day now due to the back injury. Oh, man. Doing that when I first get out of bed just makes a huge difference. Because like I have to move, I get my blood flowing, get my muscles flexed. And that, I don't know, that just, it kind of wakes me up. Like I, I've lucked into this wake up routine based on, you know, this awesome significant other and this fact that i have to do pt that like all together just makes for a great morning now uh yeah the the extreme version of that is people who like you know go to the gym before work and i right i I will never be that guy but i am the kind of guy who will try and do you know i should dedicate to doing it more often i will i will action i will uh actualize some of the advice in this post and get back to you guys in a couple weeks but (laughs) you know five minutes of cardio in the morning is super doable you know Mm-hmm. so just and you're right it turns your day around yeah yeah i'm also gonna you know commit on air and then you can yell at me if i'm not doing it but mm-hmm. i want to try uh actually running again i feel like my mental health was way better when i was running daily nice so every day it sounds like or probably every day or at least like yeah i, I think when i was when i was doing it i was doing it every day and i got to the point where i actually was looking forward to it, it took a while to get there how long each day um I can't remember. I'd have to like look up my my like. I actually was keeping track of this for a while. We're tangenting though, but I think I was up to like thirty minutes uh, on a treadmill. Maybe so if you haven't more. run at least five times by next time we podcast, what you owe us each ten bucks? Is that painful enough? Sure. Let's do that. Cool. Yeah. Or so- you give ten dollars total to like whatever Donald Trump's current hate campaign is. Uh, I think I'd rather give it to you guys. <laughs> well, exactly. So you should. We That's should put you up for the. Maybe yeah. yeah maybe the, uh, <laughs> we so get to watch you. Terrible thing that, that I have to pay ten bucks to. We uh, get to watch you Venmo to whatever yeah. place receives this money. I'll do it live. Nice. <laughs> oh fucking- man. <laughs> so we record in two weeks. Do you want to make it six times rather than the five? Yeah. So that way it's three times per week. Yeah. All right. I'm making a note. Six times before we next podcast. Uh, at least ten minutes each time. Okay. Probably do. I'll do the same thing. Cardio, at least. So, I mean, that's my my running time is less uh is less is less duration. But yeah, I'll do cardio at least three of the five days of the business days of week. And in the morning. I'm already doing everything perfectly, so I don't have to make any goals. That's Perfect. <laughs> well done, bud. 
<laughs> but you can inspire us. Ah, I don't know if that's actually true. But well, I mean, the next bullet point is don't try to be perfect. You know, mm, that's true. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Actually, yeah, where are we? Uh, let's not jump quite there because there was also quickly um, when you do your goals, uh, make sure you're measuring the right thing. Is your goal to spend 30 minutes on X or is it to produce final product Y? Uh, different things require you to track different stuff. So just just remember to track the right thing. Oh, yeah. Like running 10 minutes a day, that is a thing. But like th- th- that's that's all you need. But on the other hand, like writing for three hours a day, if you're just writing for three hours, you could potentially produce zero words. <laughs> I've had that happen before. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe focus more on like, you know, writing a scene every couple days or or a thousand words a week or something like that. I like the idea of experimenting with it too. Uh, like, for example, uh, I could try the running every day thing or like if I find that that's not working, maybe like try to lose a certain amount of weight or something. Yeah. Or uh, fit into an article of clothing, which now that would be related to weight. So, yeah, I don't know. And the, the <laughs> last point on beating impulsiveness, and this has been extremely helpful for me, is routine. Humans are creatures of habit, so uh, like, do your thing at the same time every day. Or you know, if you don't do it every day, then on the same days of the week, every single week, and at the same time of day, like, have a routine. And the the more strict the routine is, the easier it'll be to stick with it. Um, I don't know if that's true, but no. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess like that. If you by that you mean like by strictness, you mean like the re- the punishment will be worse. No, I mean like or, um, I back when I was uh, working out more often, it would always be after I come home from work, I have ten fifteen minutes, and then I go work out, and it's always for forty five minutes, and it's always Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So that that was a very strict routine, and it helped us to have that. Strictness. Oh, you mean regularity? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was thinking strictness, yeah, as far as like how punishing it is, and I was just like, no, I feel no. like it's like hard regularity. to do something that's more punishing. Yeah, routineness. But, uh, that said, habit formation is really cool, mm-hmm. and this it does work to start a very small habit and then just chain habits together. So, like, if you want to, the classic example is if you want to run more, try just putting on your exercise clothes, and then like, okay, <laughs> then you can just check that off your list, and then like after you've been putting on your exercise clothes enough times, it's like, well, I may as well run a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, then you can start increasing the amount of time. Uh, and once the habit's locked in, which I forget how long it takes, um, but there's some formula for how long locking a habit in is. I heard 21 times, but then like, I also heard like it, it varies and that's more like an average than. Yeah. It probably definitely varies between people, but something like probably something around there. Alrighty, but now back to what Stephen was saying. Don't try to be perfect. Do you want to? You want to read that one, Stephen? Yeah, I think. I mean, this is just kind of like what I was. Maybe this is another way of phrasing. Um, well, that's another component to keeping your goals attainable. But don't try to completely eliminate procrastination. Be real. Overregulation will make you unhappy. Yeah, you'll find you'll find a balance. You know, you don't have to be a zero procrastinator. But if previously you were a hundred and now you're at ninety, hey, you're doing great. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you're improving. It, but there is um. Well, there are several books that I've seen about like the they're called something like the power of procrastination. One might literally be called that, but uh, apparently there's also benefits to procrastination. Like I think you tend to be more creative. Uh, I think there is such a thing as I mean I know there is. I use this productive procrastination, like sort of a life hack that you can use is putting a really difficult task on your task list and then like procrastinate on it by doing other things yeah yeah i've done that before 
picking a task that that looks like oh, I don't want to do that. I'll do these other ones, but then like you have to. The trick is like make sure that that task, if you don't do it, is not actually that important, or if you do procrastinate on it, hmm. so it has to be like not that important, but it, like kind of tricking yourself into thinking like, oh, this is the most you know. Th- there's a weird double think you have to do. I mean, even <laughs> even if you do miss that goal, that that sucks. But on the other hand, if you procrastinate by doing other things that need doing rather than playing games or watching TV or whatever, then at least some other things got done by your procrastination rather than the time just being lost. Yeah. Like procrastinating by cleaning the house is always a good one. Procrastinating by working on something else. That's, <laughs> that's one of the nice things about having several projects going. Like if I want to procrastinate on writing, I can work on one of the podcasts that needs editing or that I need to read for, and I'm still getting something done. Mm-hmm. Uh, identify which parts of the procrastination equation need the most work in your situation and figure out which methods for dealing with that part of the problem work best for you. And uh, I think it was really useful just, I mean, obviously, like having that broken down um, into those four components for me, Mm -hmm. I ended up just knowing that like expectancy was an issue, um, sort of doing more reading into what kinds of things help for just having low self-esteem or uh, imposter syndrome or the various kinds of components there. Um, Still not, you know, good at it, (laughs) but we're all... We're all working on ourselves. Um, and definitely I have a lot more tools now, some of which I found in this article, some from other places, and then some I like made up just by, you know, trying stuff. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like, customize, keep your eyes open, look at what works for you. Yeah, or asking other people, mm-hmm. too. I should do that more. Uh, I've gotten really good advice from some people um, about how they handle procrastination. All right. Well, uh, that brought us to the end. Uh, Luke has a follow-up post where he talks about his algorithm, but we're not going to get into that because we don't have time. But it was basically notice that I am procrastinating. Always, that's the first step. And then find out which part of the equation is the problem and work on that part. Yeah. I think we kind of already... Yeah, we kind of touched on that. Went over that. Yep. Uh, This is all based on the book, The Procrastination Equation. So you can read that if you would like more detail. We'll have a link to it along to... Along as links to lots of other things we spoke about at our home site, the BayesianConspiracy.com. Uh, I did a lot of talking. Was there anything? Well, Stephen, was there anything you wanted to say in addition on this that I have missed? No, I I mean, I think that we covered the post really well. I, I feel like it's valuable. You know, I like the, just on like a meta level, you know, once in a while we'll talk about like something we're personally interested in or current hobby horse or like, um, you know, something nerdly abstract. This is like, kind of one of those cool synergies of all of those things. Hmm. And I always like it when that happens. Yeah. This was such an important less wrong post for me. Like it's one of my probably top five, uh, just I guess most memorable, but also like most useful. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. I think I learned about modafinil from this post. I was thinking about that earlier with the, uh, oh. I'm pretty sure in the part where they say increase energy. Yeah. They linked, they mentioned modafinil on there and I was just like, I've never heard of that. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been yeah back in like 2011. Oh my god, I'm, I have like nostalgia for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, well, uh, we probably wrap up. We should wrap up because Stephen needs to go, and we've been going for a while anyway. Uh, but one thing that we will not procrastinate on doing is thanking our patron for this episode. Yay. Is it a whole segue? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Is it my turn? I think it's my turn, right? And this week I will thank Ryan. It's just Ryan. Ryan, thank you. 
you helped make this possible. We are so glad that you did not procrastinate in going to the Patreon <laughs> and uh, signing up to help support us. If anyone else out there has been wanting to uh, support us, but has been procrastinating on it, then now you can stop doing that and go to our go to the basingconspiracy.com and click on through that and give us money because money's great. It is motivating. Yes, it, <laughs> it is. increases the reward of doing this podcast. You're on a roll. Keep going. <laughs> I, I, I think I ran out. That was the last one. <laughs> Dang. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you seriously, Ryan, uh, for this. We really appreciate it. It does. It, it does make things more rewarding. And uh, this is great. It blows my mind that people get enough value out of this to throw a buck or two at it that, you know, yeah. I'm pretty selective with that. my Patreon donations. So if, if we're making your guys a short list, that means a lot. Hell yeah. It is actually really motivating too. I know that that was related to the podcast and a funny joke, but like I've been in a pretty bad headspace for a bit with like depression, but like just recently, um, I think Steven, you forwarded an email where somebody was like thanking us for doing this podcast. I also just like talked to uh, I guess a shout out to space <laughs> who was uh, on the university of Bayes And also I keep like just hearing from people that like the podcast and I'm like, Oh, like people like this thing that we do. I, I got to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a great motivator. I love it. Somebody's alarm is going off. Maybe that's a sign that we should wrap up. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like the end of the show. Then. Time. All right. Yeah. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks again, everybody. And thanks again, especially to Ryan. Specifically Ryan, but also everybody else. Cool. <laughs> love you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.